and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we're going to go to our first and last shift over at the Clown Dog. We're then going to start our big girl job over at General Peril West. And also, we're going to, you know, um, I guess, go to the mortuary to drop off the dead body of our babysitter. But anyway, um, regardless of all of that, today we're going to be covering the one, the only, 1991's Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Now, for this film, I could not do this alone. So, I have brought back the MVP of my show, who has been on here the most times. Uh, she's been on episodes from Clueless, she's been on Legally Blonde, a bunch of different episodes, pretty much. Uh, but I had to bring her on for this one, because this is definitely a movie that she watched back in the day, um, and I wanted to get her thoughts on it. Please welcome back to the show, Sarah Heidelberg. Sarah, how are you doing today i'm good how are you thank i'm doing great uh you know i came over to your house uh the dog is asleep right now she's gonna stay that way and uh you know our sunday uh, recordings because that's when we have off from work and stuff like that so yeah you know but yeah so i wanted to do this because you you had suggested this i think at some point i guess i was gonna do it on the show but like i knew that i wanted to do it but um i think you said like oh i would definitely come on for that i just Think as far as cult classic, I feel like this was just one of them that completely kind of. If you're thinking of '90s movies, I mean, there's probably a ton of them, but this definitely had a lot of elements. Yeah, of cult classic work. I would totally do it for sure. Um, but yeah, so my history with this movie is that. Well, actually, let's let's start with you. I guess like, what is your history with this film? Like, when did you watch it? What is I it about this movie you like? I watched it. Don't have a concrete memory. But I want to say probably around the times or close to the times when I was watching 16 Candles Breakfast Club. Okay. Um, so like the like 2000s? That. I mean, probably like 2000. Well, let's just say it's time between like 2005, 6, 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, I think. Um, that makes sense. I definitely was a little, I didn't definitely, I, didn't, I definitely didn't watch it in the 90s, I don't believe, because I don't think I would have understood it that much. Right. Um, being a kid, uh, a, kid. <laughs> a child. Although Even some people loved it, it as a kid. Yeah. yeah I, don't remember, I don't think I remember watching it in the 90s, but I think that it was just one of those movies that sometimes I think of these certain movies like House Arrest, another great 90s movie that is. Sarah wants a me treasure to do. Trove <laughs> that people hate on, but whatever. Yeah. It takes two. I mean, there's certain night ninety movies out there that just kind of hold a special place, and I just. But some of them I remember watching in the nineties. But I didn't watch this because I, I guess of the content. I probably just didn't. Yeah, probably didn't get it. We weren't much. like a married with children family either, yeah. so I didn't know Christina Applegate so like I that. Wanna say, yeah, I want to say I, I think because I, I really got into um I got really got into. John Hughes movies, like, and I know this isn't a John Hughes movie, but I I definitely got into his stuff when I was, like, 14, 15, 16, like, I... The typical teen The typical girl. teen, 16 Candles Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, all these movies that were the <laughs> same, Ferris Bueller, all these other ones on there. Uh, I'm not saying I watched every one, but I think this kind of fell in it, even though it wasn't quite him. It's a teen movie. Yeah, I think it just kind of fell in there, and I was like, well, let me watch it, and then, so that's my mem- that's my um, history with it, and... yeah. Um, yeah, just, I, I thought it was definitely an interesting, you know, kind of... Yeah, well, with a you know, title like, Don't Tell a, Mom, she's a, Right, Don't Tell Mom, and when you actually watch it, you know, teen wouldn't deliver summer and have her best life, and yeah. shit happens, and she gotta be a grown-up, but she's not really a grown-up. Yeah, so it's, kinda, it's kinda so crazy. weird. But yeah, that's my, um, that's my history, but yeah, I'm gonna say I was probably, uh, if I had to think of a time... You know, if you were, if I, was, if I was doing Sixteen Candles, I watched that when I was sixteen. I can remember that because I watched it endlessly. Sure, sure. You know, Breakfast Club. Those are all things I got into when I was a teenager because obviously they were like 
they were. Can we also take a moment because we did have this conversation a couple months ago um, at some point because I had watched uh, some movie. I think I watched like Say Anything or Pretty in Pink or something like that. Say Anything needs to be on the pod. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> don't don't go to people's houses with boomboxes, everybody. That's yeah. trespassing. Yeah. But that movie is very cute. It'll but uh, can we we also talk about how I might watch Ferris Bueller again and give it another try? I don't know yet. It's you on my list. Ferris Bueller hater. But it's so funny that you though. say that you. It's so funny that you say that you had you watched Sixteen Candles endlessly as a teenager, and we've even talked about how you watched it recently. And you don't like it very much. It's not very good, really. Like it's not. It's problematic. I think watching you it more could recently, notice it. I definitely watching it back when I did. I um. I mean, I still the nostalgia of watching it. I still like it as a movie. But you're like, this is raw. But watching it when I did along when I was sixteen, I just didn't. Some of the stuff just was like, yeah. okay, whatever. But then watching it more recently when it's on Amazon or wherever the hell yeah, it exactly, on, exactly. HBO Max. Netflix, wherever it's at, you know, kind of watching it and listening to everything they're saying, you're like, ooh. Yeah, no, you're, it's one of those movies they where really you're like, that. yeah, no, I mean, obviously if it has a certain place in your heart. But, but I, like, I don't want to say I'm, I'm going <laughs> to condemn it and be like, I'm never going to watch it again. Right, but you're going to be like, hey, look, like this was the 80s and it was a different time. I mean, that's like really good. God, that's like pretty much watching anything back in. Yeah, no, totally. Oh my God, remember we watched um, Saturday Night Fever? Oh, we did, yeah. With our aunt. With our and, aunt, yeah. And, hey, and, Aunt Linda, I know you listen. Yeah. Um, and and I never really... I'd watch bits and pieces of that, but I don't know if I'd watch it in full, but like, they had a lot of racial Oh, they did, in that, dude. And I was like, wow. They used that N-word and everything, girl. It, it was, was like horrible. a lot. I was like, oh I was like Jesus like, Christ. I just remember them, you know, him boogieing down the dance Yeah, floor, yeah. And I remember, like, the bridge part, but and it was, like, kind of, like, violent, too. Like, the one guy was, like, trying to, like... yeah. You know, grape a girl, and it was a lot. You know, dude. like um, I mean, it was like wow, like yeah. So something like that, I'd be like, ooh. But like I said, I never, I just, you know, it was disco. Everybody kind of knows about it. It yeah. has really good music in it. Oh, like, completely. You know, BGs. You know, that kind of gives you like the innocent uh, aspect of the movie, right? Um, because if you're gonna really go, but I never really had. I had she, We had watched it. We we were just like, oh, it's on, and we were, and I never really watched it from beginning to end. I didn't I'm like, wow, like Jesus Lord. That is something I'm like that. Where is yeah, sixteen candles. sixteen candles. It's yes, a thing it of its, um. Yeah, I think what yeah, it is it is like had its things, but yeah, I think it's the thing of like the the representation of Long Duck Dong. Um, yeah, you know, and oh, go watch Vamp. He's in that, or he's even better. so much as uh that whole know, thing with um Carolyn and yeah. uh how pretty much Farmer Ted yeah what is it Farmer Ted Farmer Ted <laughs> yeah uh, Anthony Michael Hall uh, but like yeah like well, Ted that whole Ted. thing and like like that was kind the, of the the underwear Hall. it's like bad dude like um, oof yeah just some some certain dialogue they say that for sure you're like I don't think I would show a teenager this but, but you well. know it's kind of just one of those things where it it in a sense it kind of holds a special place just because I really did like it when it came out and yeah I, yeah I I like those movies, and I really kind of want to check all the stuff he did out. But yeah, I mean, definitely, yeah. it's definitely got a problematic. You're like, oh Jesus. Anyway, back to Don't Tell Mom, Baby Sue's Dead. That's what we did. <laughs> no, that's fine. That was my question. But um, you know, my my uh, history with this movie. This is a recent watch for me. I did not watch this growing up. Um, and I even texted you about it. I, I said I was like, God, I don't know how I missed this or how I didn't watch this as a kid. It just made me more gay. <laughs> really, I mean, because I watched it because it was on Hulu. It's now uh, literally sitting in front of us on HBO. But um. 
it was on Hulu, and mm-hmm. that's where I first saw it. I was like, you know what? I have this little podcast I do about cult movies, and I've seen people cover this movie, and I'm going to watch it. Damn it, because I, I wanted to. Um, I wasn't a married. I wasn't a married with children person. Like I didn't know Christine Applegate like that. But I am a Daniel Harris person. I do love a good Daniel Harris, right? And so I was like, oh, she's in it. And then I was like, ooh, the mom from uh, not the main mom, but one of. Brenda's mom from Six Feet Under is in this. I was like, oh shit, I'll watch this too. I didn't know that. Who's Brenda's mom? Joanna Cassidy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Brenda, uh, Rachel Griffith's mom Rose. in that. Rose, exactly. It plays Brenda Chenoweth in there. Yes, yes, yes. We both have watched this. I'm a stan of that show, but you have watched it and you're familiar kind of Six with who Brenda's under, mom is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just. A minute. It's yeah, a minute. it's been a minute. It's been probably about three years. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, and I watched it, and I I I fell in love with this movie. Like I just I think it's so silly, kind of, but it also is. really there's a certain level of heart to it. Yeah, like Swell as a character has a really good arc. Um, Christina Applegate is like literally such a good actress in this movie. I think she's yeah. great. Um, and I think she's like got and not only being married with children, uh, I think. Obviously, because that, like, I think it's, like, skyrocketed. Of course. I think this was probably, like, one of her first... It was her first role, I think, really, in a movie. Yeah, Yeah, and I think she she definitely deserves all the praise and all that, and I wish her the best with her MS and everything like that, and trying to be as good of a... A human as she can be with something like so um so hard like that yeah. but she's an icon and i fucking love her fashion you know what's crazy like, kind of side note because as we're talking about her and i just kind of put two and two together she was in this is a couple years after this obviously this is more than 2000 she did the sweetest thing mm-hmm. with we've talked about the sweetest thing a little bit before cameron diaz and some blair um, some blair and her Applegate play friends and whatever um good movie I should probably rewatch that. But anyway, um, but yeah, it's kind of crazy that Selma Blair and Christina Applegate both have this disease. They do. They actually do. And I love Selma Blair as well. And they both have MS. And again, not to get like down or anything, but yeah. like, yeah, no, it's just so, it sucks when something like that. But I'm sure that them being in a, you know, I'm sure them being in the industry and them being, especially doing a movie together, I'm sure that they probably, um, I would hope that they communicate yeah. and talk with each other if they're yeah still friends, if they're know? still friends and all that yeah we love you christina applegate we love you Selma blair you know you all get your moments i just kind of thought about that. I was like, well they were in that movie together I'm they like, were in that movie together you're right yeah anyway so back back to this movie we're just going all over the Sorry. place so it's fine no but like i fell in love with this because like literally it's silly but it has a heart to it i think swell has a really good arc she gets a deeper sense of a relationship with her siblings which is really nice Kenny has she an really interesting does arc look, too. She's a brat in the beginning. She's such a brat in the beginning. Holy yeah. Jesus! So is Kenny. And so is Kenny. He's like a waste. Really, all of them are. Yeah, all the kids are. All the kids are, but like, because the mom Except is maybe like, the little kid. Just, yeah, the little kid is like, like okay. I just want to watch TV. Like, he just wants to watch TV. That's the Same. whole thing. But I get it. It's a mood. <laughs> it's such a mood. But anyway, I I just think like um yeah, she really does though and and yeah it's so just good. like it's so good and. Like I said, I definitely think it turns people gay because of the fashions. Like, you know, it's like, it's that, it's, we'll get into all of it because, like, it's just, oh, there's a such lot to a, go over. Such a good movie. Yeah. So good. But yeah, so I guess we'll move into, as we normally do, fingers of the movie, production history about the film, 
and we'll move into a plot summary, all that kind of good stuff you come to listen to. So let's get on with these figures. So this movie was released June 7th of 1991. I will say I already have an episode coming out on June 7th. If you haven't already checked that out, check out Jurassic Park with our girl Barbie on it. Hell yeah. But this was released June 7th as a movie. So this is actually coming out. Um, this episode is coming out one day before my birthday, my 31st birthday. Happy birthday, Jesse. Happy birthday. Yes. So, um, and... Yeah, it's, like, super fun. Um, but, yeah, so we're recording this, obviously, in advance because we have shit to do. But, nice. yeah, I just think it's so... F- <laughs> Listen. Uh, but, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I wouldn't release it on the same day. I wanted to release something on the day before my birthday. Right. But uh, this is a perfectly fine one to do. Hell, yeah. Yeah. It was directed by Stephen Herrick, who is a uh, second film on the pod. He did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and I fucking love those movies. It was written by... Did he do the other one? No, he did not write that one. Or, no, he didn't direct one. He did the first one and the did. second one? Yes. Got yes. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Neil Landau and Tara Eason. It was produced by uh, Robert F. Neumeyer, Brian Riley, and Jeffrey Silver. And it was a budget of about $10 million, and it ended up coming back with a box office of $25,196,249. I don't think this had a gross worldwide, because I don't think it was released internationally. So I wasn't really able to find anything else oh. of international. Yeah. We are looking at a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes for the tomato meter, like the critic score. And then the audience score, it's a 57%. So that's not too bad. It could be a little higher, everybody, but, you know, whatever. We're looking at a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb and a letterbox score, 3.2 out of 5. So that's not too bad. We then have our cast of characters, as we normally have. So... We have Christina Applegate as Sue Ellen Crandall, also known as Swell, which I will probably be referring to her as Swell a lot of the time. Uh, Joanna Cassidy as Rose Lindsay, who is the executive and Sue Ellen's boss at General Para West. John Getz as Gus Brandon, who is Rose's, like, boyfriend, kind of, sort of. What a douche. What a douche. Uh, Keith Coogan, who is Kenneth Kenny Crandall, who is the second oldest sibling. Josh Charles as Brian, Sue Ellen's friend and love interest, who works at Clown Dog. Uh, we have Conchetta Tomei, who is the mom, who does not have a name, who she's just Mrs. Crandall, I guess. Oh, wow. Yeah. David Duchovny. We, we don't really know. We see her at the beginning and the end. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Uh, David... Hey, oh, hi, mom. On the phone. Oh, hi, mom. Yeah. Uh, David Duchovny as Bruce, the head inventory clerk at General Peril West before he was in, um, X-Files, X-Files Twin Peaks, all that stuff. Speaking of Twin Peaks, Kimmy Robertson is Kathy Henderson, who is the secretary, one of the other secretaries over at Journal Peril West. I love her voice so much. And fun fact, she and David Duchovny were both in Twin Peaks together, where he plays this cross-dressing mm-hmm. person, and then she plays... Um, the main secretary of wherever the hell Kyle McLaughlin is. Jane Brooke um, as Carolyn, the bitchy receptionist at General Apparel West. I know the whole thing. Uh, Robert High Gorman, he is the youngest. Walter Crandall, he's the okay. TV-obsessed one. Daniel Harris, our girl, Melissa Crandall, who is the youngest child, tomboy girl. Christopher Hetetet, Patet, or something like that. Um, he plays the middle guy, Zach, who is lovestruck. Uh, he unfortunately passed away uh, due to a drug overdose in 2000, uh, which is very sad. 
We would then have some of the other people in this are Chris Clager as Lizard, one of Kenny's friends, Jeff Below as Mole, one of his other friends, Michael Coppola as Hellhound, of course, one of his friends. What names? I know, right? Alejandro Quezada as Skull, one of his friends, Brian Clark, who's the doctor at the ER later in the movie. E.E. Mm-hmm. E. Bell is the umpire at um, Melissa's softball game, apparently. Baseball game. Is Christopher Plummer really in this movie as Howard? Okay, I'll buy it. Christopher Plummer, I guess, might be in it. Howard who? I don't know who that is. Who knows? You have the mortuary workers played by, actually, the producers of this movie. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Robert F. Newmeyer and Brian Riley literally are the mortuary workers. The guys at the end? The guys at the end oh, and the guys wow. in the beginning. Or, like, yeah. Bud is played, um, he's playing Elvis, the dog. Very important. Mm-hmm. And do you also know who the uh, the voice of the grand, uh, like the old lady is in the beginning of um, the animated sequence? No. Dan Castellaneta, the voice of Homer Simpson. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Not shocking, though. Not shocking at all. Critical response quotes for this movie. So we have Peter Travers from The Rolling Stone who says, Blame the smash of Home Alone for the new herd of Kids on the Loose movies. Let's hope none are dumber than this one. Rude. We then have Vincent Canby from the New York Times, who states Miss Applegate is charming when the screenplay allows her to slow down. Working against her is the director, Stephen Herrick, who pushes every gag so hard and fast that he seems to be keeping up with a laugh track only he can hear. And then we have Brian... Orndorf uh, from BrianOrndorf.com, who states, A picture with obvious flaws, but one that attempts to subvert the norm with a few curveball jokes here and there. It's not awful, but not good either. So the basic idea, so some of this information I've pulled from really just on Wikipedia, but of course some of this information is coming from other places, obviously. Uh, but I think also some of this information is going to come from a BuzzFeed article that was from 2015 um, that talks about this movie as well. But the general idea, a little bit of a reduction history about this movie in particular is that the writers, Neil Landau and Tara Ison, the core idea of this movie originated in about the mid-80s. Oh, could you tell? Right. <laughs> because that's the thing we say about, is that this movie, even though it was released in 91, has such an 80s feel to it. You know, so that definitely kind of carried over from there. But Landau was apparently uh, inspired by the 1983 film Risky Business, in which a high school protagonist is thrust into the adult world and managed to hold his own with Tom Cruise and mm-hmm. Rebecca De Mornay. The first draft, which was titled The Real World, was rele- was finished in 1987 and was sold to 20th Century Fox, but then was shelved. And Fox wanted a film with a lighter tone um, than that of the script that was written initially. And they envisioned an actress like Winona Ryder for the starring role. Which is funny because the score of this movie is done by a guy by the name of David Newman. And if you don't know who David Newman is, he is the guy who did the score for Heathers. Mm -hmm. Which is very evident when you hear the score for this. Yeah, I was like, holy shit, because it's like the same. It just sounds very similar. Yeah, But he also did the Bill and Ted movies too. Yeah, I did see that they did do this movie in mind that Renato with Renato Ryder I can't say her name Renato Ryder would be the lead mm-hmm. being Christine Applegate's character but she was doing Ever Scissor Hands yes yeah so it's like have her in this have her in that so it's like I think it all worked out and I think it all worked out too for yeah. sure uh, Landau was apparently uneasy with hiring Stephen Herrick um, for this film to direct but ended up working out and I think it works because I think I, I love Bill and Ted a lot and I think he did a great job with that and I think he does a great job with this and also uh, recently on Pod Meets World the Boy Meets World podcast they had Daniel Harris on because mm-hmm. she was um, 
she was TK in one of their Tommy episodes. Yes. And they talk about how awesome she was, and she's just a great, go listen to her podcast, she's like a dear darling dear. But she talks about how Stephen Herrick was a dear darling dear on this, you know, um, set. Like, it's, I think, something she looks fondly on, and she has said like that he really made it so that the kids were able to really be kids being able to play in between takes, being able to swim in the pool and like do these things that kids are wanting to do. And I think that shows that, you know, these kids feel like real kids. Like they don't feel like actors, I guess. But you know, I, I love that, uh, at least one of the people from this movie has said like, Oh yeah, no, he was a great guy to work with and really awesome. And then she's proud of the, the, the um the product which is cool so then in 1989 this was picked up by outlaw productions which attracted christina applegate to the role because pretty much i think what had happened was that ed o'neill who was the star of married with children was friendly with somebody who pretty much like was a part of this which obviously we know that he was al bundy Mm -hmm, he was al bundy and so So yeah him and christian yeah and so somebody i guess it was neil landau or somebody like knew him and mary with children come on it was like 88 i think it'd been on a couple seasons i think it'd been on for a couple seasons by this i don't think it just started yeah and she was still on the show by the time they did because i don't think it ended to like 90 Maybe four or five or something like that, yeah. But anyway, so then, like, Joanna Cassidy, who is in, like I said, Six Feet Under, but she's also in, like, Blade Runner, and she's in this movie and all this. She was cast after a suggestion by Landau. As we know, David Duchovny, this is one of his first earlier roles after he had graduated from, like, Harvard and shit like that that he did. He achieved, before he achieved mainstream success. But they actually had, uh, the casting director of this movie had trouble casting him. They weren't really sold on him. But then they got sold on him, I guess. So that's cool. And as we already may know, so. Daniel Harris was not actually supposed to be in this movie. Pretty much what had happened was it was supposed... Everyone else was cast, right? Mm -hmm. And initially, we already know this, but Jennifer Love Hewitt was cast in this role. Oh, yeah, I read that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So she was cast in this first... Uh, she was cast in this, and then what happened was that she was on a little show called Kids Incorporated with, you know, fucking, like, Fergie was on there, and That's- Eric Balfour was on there before. Really? Like, yeah, he was. Um, wow. Yeah. So, people come from Kids Incorporated or whatever. It was very much like a Mickey Mouse Club thing, kind of, whatever. But not. But not, though. But some people came around, so she was on there. She was Love. That's what people knew her as back in the day. She was always Jennifer Love Hewitt, but people knew her as Love Hewitt or, like, whatever the hell. Um, anyway, so they did. Did you imagine how many Jennifers there were? Oh, absolutely. So they called her Love. That's literally what it was. Uh, but anyway, very so. Very big name in the 80s. Oh, so much so. But yeah, so they didn't let her have her contract though. So she, even though mm-hmm. she booked this role, um, they had to cast somebody else. And literally, Danielle Harris had already been in the Halloween movies by this point, And she is an East Coast girl. I did see a fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I don't know if you're gonna really touch on it or not. But as we know, she swelled. Okay, can we talk about the name? Because Swell. I <laughs> know. I'm like, where did it come from? But anyway, so I'll just call it Sue Swell. Ellen Swell. Swell, yeah. So Swell, so as we know, she she gets a big girl job. Like mm-hmm. a legit big girl job that like, even yeah. I'm like, when I see what the things are, I'm like, I won't be able to do all that shit. Anyway. Um, I probably could. You see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but I so as we know, she's the oldest, then it's Kenny, and then it's um, Zach, and mm-hmm. then it's. Missy or Melissa and then Walter. Mm-hmm. So they're the two youngest. Yes. And there is a part of the movie where you see there's like 
uh, two frames that are next to each other that has uh-huh. a picture of Walter and Melissa. And it, I think they said that that one of the picture, it looks like a school picture or something like that, of Melissa is the same one that's used in Halloween. I think it was. The yeah. four or five, yeah, I think it was as well. I think I read that somewhere. I'm like, oh, wow. Well. Yeah. I guess there's probably a picture of her mm-hmm. on the, in the house, I don't know. Yeah, there probably is. It's yeah, been yeah, a while yeah. since I watched this, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, but yeah, so they, they brought her in because she was an East Coast girl. Uh, so literally she moved to Los Angeles not too, yeah, pretty much like not long after that. And this was like one of the first things she booked. So that's really cool. Also, fun little fact too, she was uh, literally very good friends with Brittany Murphy because they were both from like the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Daniel Harris. They literally, like, lived with each other for a while. And then also, she was also friendly with Kirsten Dunst, even though Kirsten was younger than both of them. Um, But they all kind of knew each other and, you know, obviously came out to L.A., like, respectively. Hmm, But always rest in peace, but in always rest in peace. Anyway, so after the production ended, though, because this movie, I think, was shot in the 90s, like, the 90s. Literally. Yeah, like summer um, 90 or something. Yeah, something like that. And so after... I would have been a one-year-old. Yes. Jesse was not born yet. <laughs> I was not born quite yet. Our, our cousin might have been born. That's about it. Our cousin Heather. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so after the production ended, though, um, so they had shot this. And honestly, I think they shot this as an R-rated movie. They really did. Because I think they... Like, we'll talk about it when we get to it. But, like, you can tell that they ADR'd stuff in post. So, for example... This is the one that I was talking about, but, like, when the drag queens steal the car, I think Swell and Kenny, they, when they say Liza, I think they actually said shit. Really? And then when Kenny says, hey, what are you queens, or what are you doing with our car, I think he actually said bitches. What are you bitches doing with our car? I thought he said something worse, but he didn't. Um, Anyway, so, but yeah, so I think they did make it as, like, an R-rated thing, but they needed to tone it down a little bit. But anyway, so yeah, after the production ended, the studio was forced to change the n- initial n- uh, name, The Real World, into something different. Because there was a little show called The Real World yep. that came out. Which is <laughs> funny, because I never knew that until I read the trivia. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that would have been very confusing. Yeah. Because The Real World was what it was. I mean, yes. it, it, even though it, it had just came out, mm-hmm. but it just came out. So it wasn't that it had a couple years under it. It was just very And that would have been a really good, that. that would have been a really good title for this movie, but it, it didn't really it just work didn't out. Work. It just and the, the, the people who wrote it hated it. They hated the, the change of the name, but they kind of came around on it a little bit because like Johnny Carson made a pun about it, for example, um, and really, I think it kind of helps with the, the cult status of it. Because you don't forget a movie like Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Yeah. That's a pretty, uh-huh. like, what the hell kind of movie is <laughs> But yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it did all right. I think it did all right, like, money-wise. In terms of reception, I don't think it maybe got the best, but it is what it is. But this movie was literally uh, produced by HBO, if I'm not mistaken. So, of course, it was on HBO a bunch. It yeah. came out in video stores. Apparently they had a whole, like, cutout of, like, this thing that's in our TV right now. Um, but, like, with Christy the Applegate and the kids and all that. So, of course, when you have something like that, yeah, you can't help but look at it. Several viewers have compared this movie unfavorably to, like, you know, Home Alone and stuff like that. Um, but I don't think this is a Home Alone movie at all. It's two different stories, really. Yeah. Like, completely. So, I mean, whatever. But I mean, other than being left alone, but they all had each other, whereas he was just by himself. True, yeah. And it wasn't like burglars were trying to come in the house. 
Exactly, right. It was different. It was just them kind of... Or um, Kathleen Mayer from The Chronicle in Austin um, described Home Alone meets Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and then visits Working Girl. Which to me, I'm like, Home Alone, okay. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, no. Except for the, <laughs> the director. Yeah. That's more of a fantasy movie because there's like a literal magic fucking like, futuristic uh, phone booth thing. But anyway. But yeah, I mean, but I think this also, like... It's got its own story. It's got its own story, and I think it, it has to do, or if anything, it, it just, it went well with kids who maybe shouldn't have been watching it at the time. But I think because it is colorful, it is this kind of, you know, colorful, it's like a silly kind of story. Um, like, the, the babysitter is, like, comically evil, you know? So, like... It's something where I think kids definitely watched it, you know, and whatever. But like I said, I do think it has a heart to it, and it does have a nice little message to it, and, you know, all that. And I also think it feels attainable. I feel like you could be someone like Sue Ellen, you know what I mean? Like, you could aspire to, like, do that kind of thing, and and it's not, like, too out of the ordinary, you know? And I don't know. It doesn't feel like... She's also not a mean girl. She's not the popular girl. She's just a, you know, like, California girl kind of a thing. She's just kind of like... She's a brat at first, but, like, then, you know, she gains a better respect for her her siblings and all that. So, do you have anything to add about, like, the legacy of the movie or anything like that Mm. you think of? No, not really. Not really either. I mean, like, yeah, I think this movie, like, yeah, it's it has a certain level of camp to it, which I think might come from the writing of it, but also a little bit of maybe Stephen Herrick. But yeah, I just think this movie's so fun and great. So, I mean, I can't be mad at it or anything. Let me see if I have any other fun little facts or anything like that that I can think. Oh, we'll also talk about how... Uh, <laughs> I talk in my notes that I love Keith Coogan's hair in this. I love the long hair because if you don't if you don't know, I have like longer hair and I try to grow it out. Um, but I loved his hair in this. But that shit's a wig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a wig. And at the end of it, when she's doing the fashion show, mm-hmm. as you'll kind of hear from it, we'll get there at the end of it. That's his actual hair. That's his actual hair because he does, he gets a haircut from his this wig. Yes, and that's his actual hair that he had. Yeah, yeah, totally. She also uh, Christine Applegate t- um, gained ten pounds apparently to yep. play this, which was really interesting. Um, and then she had to lose it to play <laughs> to play her to yes. play Kelly again. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, they always had her. You know. It's all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. This is also Keith Coogan's second um, babysitting-themed movie, because he was in Adventures in Babysitting as well with young Anthony Rapp, which is kind of fun. They also say that John Hughes was asked to direct, because I don't believe that. I don't know if I feel about that, but okay. Oh, Edward Furlong was considered for the role of Kenny, but he wasn't able to do it because he was doing T2. Okay. Hmm. All right, then. And we'll talk about... We'll get into it. We'll talk about Josh Charles in a little bit, because, you know... Baltimore. Yeah, of course. Did you also want to mention the whole thing? Because we don't know, like, everything about it, but, um, I don't know. I do, like, kind of, don't like talking about it, but, like, the kind of interesting thing with, um, Keith Coogan and his grandfather, because we were talking a little bit about that Yeah, um, I had read that his, so the guy who plays Kenny is, or... Keith Coogan. Keith Coogan. And his grandpa was Uncle Fester in the Adams Family... TV show. TV show back in the 60s? Yeah. Yeah. And so if you don't know anything about Jackie Coogan, because I think people have also, like, touched on it, but, like, Jackie Coogan was a child star back in the 30s, 40s, something like that, and he ended up getting all of his money taken away from his parents. 
that happens. It's a shame. It was a horrible shame, and, and not not a isolated incident either. I don't think for people like that. But there was literally look this all up if you're interested in labor relation history or whatever and entertainment. Um, especially since we're going through a writer's strike right now with the WGA and all this kind of shit, you know, uh, is kind of prevalent in our news right now. But but anyway, yeah. So Keith Coogan, his grandfather, had this happen to him, and so because of this, there was then a law put into place called the Coogan Act. Which, if you don't know what the Coogan Act is, you can look all of this up on SAG and everywhere or whatever. But pretty much what it is is it's set up for kids, minors, to have. Um, I think 15% or a certain percentage of their salary on a, sh- a movie, show, whatever, goes into a trust fund for them yeah. automatically. Um, so that they, and it can't touch it until they're 18 or over. Um, so that if you're working as a child, you know, that you're able to get some of your money right. back. And it's so fucked up that like a lot of people have dealt with just being a kid and maybe not knowing how to handle your money, you know, or, or having these horrible things happen, you know. Like, like, Corey Haim, I think, was one. Like, he was huge with the other Corey, Corey Feldman, but he died kind of broke, really. It's like him, Danielle Harris has talked about how, like, literally she, she talked on the Pod Meets World pod, but, like, she talked about how, like, you know, she didn't know what she was doing when she was a teenager, and she hired a business manager, and that guy took a lot of that money, really, mm-hmm. and it, like, fucked her shit up, where, like, she wasn't able to even, she bought a house, but then she had to sell her house, Right? That was the whole thing. And she couldn't buy another house until she was, like, 30 or something. Like, it fucked her shit up. Like, she had IRS coming after her. Like, it was a whole thing. Like, and even, like, Heather Matarazzo from um, Welcome to the Dollhouse, Sage, Roseanne, all that. She talked on Danielle's pod, Talk Scary to Me, because she was on it. Um, and we love Heather Matarazzo here. Love her. But she talked about how, like, she didn't have access to her money until she was, like, 30. Because of a thing set up with, like, her her dad and her stepmom or whatever her stepmom I don't think got along with her very well. But yeah, what happens when you're a seven year old or a, 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 however you're old and you have to set up a fucking bank account and how does that work? Like it's a whole thing. Like it, it's just crazy. Again, I don't want to get too deep in it, but like, I don't know. It's interesting that he comes from that family and, right. and all that. And you know, I don't know. I just, it's something not to just, it's something you're going to talk about at some point of like, you know, yeah, isn't this fun crazy? Especially since there are a lot of kids in this movie, technically. Yeah. So, you know, and, and again, it's nice that it seems like they had a good environment on set, I will say that. But now that labor relations is over now, um, and history <laughs> history lessons are over, you, you're always going to get a history lesson with me. Always. I, I always love it, because I think it's fun to contextualize this and all that kind of fun shit. But uh, I guess without further ado, though, let's move into a plot summary, man. Uh, how this starts is that it starts with a cartoon intro. Which, as which I don't remember until watching it. Literally, oh, where okay. it's like this old lady, and um, Homer Simpson is the guy who does the voice of the old lady, Dan Castellaneta. So then we have our intro to Swell, Sue Allen Crandall, played by Christina Applegate and her friends. They're at a little clothing boutique. They're talking about how apparently her friends are going to Europe. Which, that must be nice. Right. Okay. What do their parents do? I guess, right? And so, um, but, you know, she can't go. You swell can't go. So, like, you know, she's stuck at home. But, you know, it'll be okay. Like, you know, whatever. It'll be fine. It'll be fine, right? So then we get 
the intro because we're back at the house because like we leave Swell and her friends and then we're back at the house and we get our intro to the mom played by Conchetta Tomei. No relation to Marissa, I don't think. But we get this kind of like intro to like her house and also the rest of the kids. So we have, I think we meet, we do see the younger kids, I think. So I think we see Walter, we see Melissa, Walter played by uh, Robert High Gorman and then Melissa, played by Danielle Harris. We get Zach in there somewhere, played by Christopher uh, Pettacott, or whatever his name is. He's the middle child. There isn't a other middle child that's a woman uh, or a girl. And then we have the oldest, the second oldest, which is uh, Kenny, played by Keith Coogan, as we stated. And so we just get the intro to their house. So, like, you know, their house is like, it's a nice, it's a big house. It's a nice big house. I guess she got it in the divorce or something. I don't know. Because we then find that, I guess, that her mom is divorced from her dad and all this kind of stuff. And so they live in... They live... I think it's supposed to be Santa Clarita, California. Same place as Santa Clarita Diet, I guess. Um, And anyway, so... Yeah, they end up... So it's a nice house, you know, whatever the hell, and it's fine. Um, But it's kind of in disarray, you know what I mean? Like, you know, she can't do everything herself, and none of the kids do anything either. So, whatever. It is what it is. Now that you're a homeowner of some sort, Sarah, you're just like, my house couldn't look like that. What the hell? Like, Well, look, I'm not the tidiest person in the world, you know. I'm not spick and spam. But I was looking around, I was like, man, that's a lot of, like, empty boxes and, Mm -hmm. like, counter, like... My counter doesn't really ever look like it. I was saying, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but I was like, I just feel like there'd be a lot of things around. I know, like roaches and yeah. like critters and stuff. Critters, yeah. and I'm like, damn. Um, anyway. <laughs> so, this is a big house. And then, yeah, we'll, you'll get to the part where the lady goes into the um, Kenny's room. Oh, we'll talk about um, it, yeah. Yeah, but so I'm just like, oh, but, but once they clean it up and they kind of do everything with that, it looks really nice. Yes, yes. So anyway, so then Swell comes home um, in the car with her friends. I also have all these chicks in the car because it's, it looks so hilarious. They these All of these girls are in the car together and they're just like hanging out. And I'm just like, there's so many girls in this car. Right. The hell? It's not that big of a car. It's not that big of a car. And but then we also have um the inverse with Kenny and his friends who are like swells on her way home and she's being dropped off and he's on his way out yeah. pretty much. And of course he's all like he's all like, you know, okay, bye mom, because we find out that apparently she has a boyfriend who's in Australia, who has mm-hmm. a sheep farm, and he wants to show her his sheep farm. So apparently she's just going for two months away. And I don't fucking know how you do really that. It seems really irresponsible. It seems really irresponsible when you have like five kids, yeah, uh, or whatever. But okay, whatever. Ranging from like seventeen to like five. Like literally, I don't think he was five, but I'm just like, hey, he was Walter? like, yeah, I think Walter was like ten or something. Mm. He's not fucking five. Like he's not that little. Eight. I would say eleven or ten. I'm pretty sure. Mm, okay. Whatever. Anyway. All right. So then we have our intro to uh, the babysitter. I don't remember who she's played by, but she was in um, Turner and Hooch. She was also in Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2, I think. Because we have this, because we see this person pull up and, you know, it's the babysitter. And so it's like this nice looking babysitter lady who's like an old lady. Her name is Mrs. Sturak. And so we see Mr. Sturak there and like she's this like kind of unassuming old lady or whatever. And then the mom then leaves for, for, um, Australia, for Australia. And so then, so as the mom leaves, right, uh, and the rest of the kids are there and Kenny's gone, I have in my notes, the babysitter changes into the head bitch in charge. Yeah. Because she has a whistle, literally, 
And she's just like, all right, y'all need to like get in line or whatever. Um, and they're just like, wait, what the fuck? And I love the use of the Twilight Zone theme as well. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like as soon as she like drives off. Like, oh my Dang. God, so funny. Anyway, so then, you know, Swell's all like, you know, well, what the hell, who do you think you are? Like, you know, you're not going to talk to us like this. And then she's like, no, we're like, yes, I am. Like, what are you talking about? And so we have this like fun little kind of montage, I guess, of like all these different things going on. So, like, we have Zach, who's out on a date with Cynthia, is her her name, apparently. I think she shows up at the end, apparently, too. Um, Cynthia does, the little... The no, I thought she shows up when he's having a date. She does, but I think she might show up later, too. Like, at the fashion show. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, but uh, I, I literally she said... Maybe she did. You're right. Um, but I literally said, like, what kind of 12-year-old date? Like, what kind of, they're in the car, just, like, right. looking up. I'm just like, what kind of, I didn't date when I was 12, mm. first off. And also, what kind of 12-year-old date? Like, what the hell? I was so confused. Then we have also Mrs. Sturak saying, you know, time for little girls to dress like little girls. And we have Danielle Harris uh, flipping off gender norms, which I love. Because she is not into this. Because up to this point, we see that she's a tomboy type yeah. of person. Like, that's just who she is. So she's not about to wear a fucking dress. And so then, I love that. Just fuck gender norms. And then we see that Mrs. Sturak, because I don't think she's met Kenny quite yet, maybe. But, like, because she's all, all the other kids. I don't think anything happened to Walter. I don't know what happened with him. But um, maybe, like, oh, because he's watching TV and, like, she turns the TV off or whatever. That's what happens, I think. Yeah. He's like, how dare you? Exactly. Uh, he was watching um, fucking Password or something. It was very fun. Uh, but anyway, so she goes into his room because she looks at his room and it's just like so gross. Yeah. Like it has like uh, bongs around there because he's definitely a stoner kind of guy. He has like a fucking picture of like a scantily clad woman. That I think got. he's got like a record that's got like a pizza crust on. Yes, like, yes. Essentials. Love You it. see that in fucking movies everywhere. It's gross. He just, his room is gross and disgusting and she's just like horrified. And so she's like, oh no. So then the kids, they're like, you know what? Fuck this shit. So like, they're literally like, all right. Um, we have to band together. We have to band together. So they go into the oldest sister's room. So they go into the room and of course she's on, um, she's like, yeah. I don't have any money. I don't have a boyfriend. She's like talking to a friend of hers. And then the kids just like all come into the room because they're like, fuck this. Uh, I like that uh, Swell's phone is cute. It's one of those clear phones from the 90s. Yes. Very cute. Clear essential. Yes. Essential. Uh, we did not have land. We had landline, but we didn't have a landline of our own. So we couldn't have our own phone. I don't yeah. think. But I would have had one of those or something like that. That would have been fun. But anyways. Anyway, the kids decide to revolt, right? So they decide like, because they also have, like, name tags on, which is really funny, because you can't tell the difference between them. Yeah. So they all have their little name tags on. But Kenny hasn't come home quite yet. But he is on his way home now. Um, so as the kids decide to, you know, band together, so Swell is going to be, like, she decides to go to Mrs. Sturak, and she knocks on her door, because she's in a room there. She's like, Mrs. Sturak, like, you know, um, she's like, I probably can't hear me, you know? But, like, you know, she goes in that room, in the meantime, you also see that Kenny has come home from wherever the hell he was with his friends. And I'll tell you this much. So, yes, he's supposed to be a teenager, so I don't want to be weird about it. But I will say, the way that his pants are ripped where his ass is, I was just like, the hell were they doing? Like, what was going on? I know. When you go upstairs, I'm like, why? I know, right? Like, I was just like, what the hell? Um, anyway, so then, yeah, these, these ripped pants on Kenny, I was like, what is going on here? But I, yeah, was I saw like, that, and I was like... 
I was like, okay. That's interesting. It was like, um, it wasn't the same thing, but like, you've seen Weird Science. It's been a while, but yeah. But do you remember like when the one guy from Weird Science has the, the um, thong underwear on? It wasn't like that, but it was kind of like, what the fuck were they doing with this? But okay. Yeah. Uh, that might have been an awakening for some people. I don't know. Because Keith Coogan had a nice butt, so. <laughs> and he was like 20 by this point, so, you know. Yeah, I think he was older. I read he was older than Christina Applegate. I think he was too. I'm was pretty sure as well. Yeah. Which is funny because, like, yeah. Anyway, so then we find out, so Swell went into the room with Mrs. Sturak, and we find out, oops, the babysitter is dead as fuck. So, I don't know what killed her, exactly. I guess she was just an old lady. She died. Yeah. But she's just dead as fuck. Anyway, so the kids are now having to, like, so I guess, yeah, the babysitter's dead now. And so they're having to figure out what they could do. So what they end up doing. We can't call the police. We can't call an ambulance. Right. We can't do that. They're going to push us. Yeah. And then they're going to call mom. You don't want mom to come back. Right. So, like, what are we going to do? So what they decide to do is take a trunk that I guess was in the uh, house somewhere. And they, like, stuff her in there pretty much. And of course, like, I think it's Daniel Harris, Melissa, or somebody, she says, like, let's cut off her head. Let's cut off her legs or something. Like, you weirdos. But anyway, so then they put her in this box because they don't know what else to do. And then they're even, like, driving with her in the trunk. Whatever, whatever. So this is, like, the dark comedy of this movie, which is very... I love dark comedy, so that's fine with me. But pretty much what they do is they're like, yeah, we're saving the ambulance people a, a, a trip. You know, whatever. It's fine. And... I don't know if this is where they say, like, there is a time where they talk about, like, you know, well, oh, no, this comes afterward. Never mind. Uh, but anyway, so what ends up happening is that they drop the body off in the trunk outside of the funeral home where you have these two mortuary workers played by the producers, two of the producers of this movie who are doing that. And this, I have, I love Kenny's hair, which is a complete wig. Um, but I just like how long it is and how flowy it is. It's just it's really nice. But yeah, so they drop the body off. What's the note that they have that they leave? It says, nice old lady inside died of natural causes yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. So they, they just put it there. And then, like, the mortuary workers are like, like, oh, we got another one. Like, da 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 whatever. That would be really interesting. I'm sure it'd be really sad to work in one. But also, I think it'd be really interesting to work in, like, a funeral home mortuary, maybe. So... We then find out, okay, this is what I was thinking of. This is what I was thinking. They leave um, in the, the Volvo that I think that they're driving. Uh, because then Mrs. Sturek has her Buick. They, then she leaves her Buick because she's dead. Uh, do they drive the Buick to this to the place? Or do they drive the Volvo? Do you remember? Mm. I think they drive the Volvo. Like their mom's car. I think so. But then they do drive the Buick like, the next day. They do. They drive the Buick the next day during this conversation. Because... They're deciding, oh, because Swell's, like, up in the morning and, like, whatever, and she's, like, you know, um, taking the kids. I guess she's taking the kids to the market or something. Because doesn't she say, like, you know, oh, I have to go to the market or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Earlier, we saw that the mom left money for the kids from whatever fucking job she does, I guess. So that was fine and whatever. But then um, they're in the car because they're all in the car at one point. So that's why I think they all go together or whatever. But they're in the car, and then Kenny is looking through the envelope that was left, and he's finding that there was no money in there. Mm-hmm. And so then they do this, like, fucking dangerous-ass U-turn yeah. that they do. So, yeah, they find out they have no money, and then they're trying to... And then this is them trying to go through everything, being like, where is this money? Like, she must have had it with... She must have taken it, or whatever. Like, right. I, I saw her give it to Mrs. Sturak, like, you know, whatever, whatever. So they bum-rush her room, pretty much. They try to find it. 
And what ends up happening is that they are like, oh shit, like she must have had it on her or something, which she did end up doing because that comes into the end. Anyway, so they're all now being like, oh shit. So now we have no money. We have no like, what the hell are we going to do? Like, you know, for two months, their mom's gone. Like, you know, because they're like, we can't just call and be like, yeah, our dead babysitter has our money. You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to work. And then this is the first of, I think, another call. The mom calls from Australia. Must have had a lot of long roam, long distance roaming out or something. I don't know. The mom calls and she's like asking about like, you know, oh, like, hey, how are you guys doing? Like, where's Mrs. Surak? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And so um, they're just like trying to keep it all. So Swell is the one who answers the phone first uh, in this time. They're now realizing that they need money. Um, so they're like, all right, what are we going to do? You know, because they're thinking like, okay, here's like maybe a little bit of money we have, but we don't have much or whatever. So they decide, all right, well, one of us has to get a job, something, whatever. Right. So they take a mama slice pizza mm-hmm. and they, it has to be one of the older kids, obviously. And so they're like, all right, mama slice face up. I go to work. Mama slice face down. You go to work. And so they flip for it with a pizza box and then it's face up. So that means Swell now has to go to work. And so she's like, oh, well, you know, I can just like go work in a clothing store or whatever. That's that's fine. Like whatever. That is not the case (laughs) at all. So yeah, what ends up happening is that um, Swell gets a job at at Clown Dog. I almost call it Clown Burger, but same difference. Um, It's Clown Dog. Um, this is where we get our intro to Brian, played by Josh Charles. Gotta talk about Josh Charles for a minute. Me and Sarah are both Baltimore natives. Uh, we do not really have Baltimore accents like that, I don't think. Mm. You know, not for certain things, but, you know, we're from here. Well, I say water. You do say water, and I say water. Uh, our, we grew up in the same household. We did grow up in the same household. But if I'm saying, like, water, like, that's how it comes out. Like, I don't say water. And yeah, my husband wanna... is also from Baltimore. Well, he's from... Harford County, but Harford County, Maryland, so like Abingdon, Bel Air area, and um, but he's like it's water, and I'm like yeah, it's water. But yeah. like my mom, our mom said that like our her dad, like our who would be our grandpa, who we never yeah. met because he passed away before we were born. Like he had he had a th- he was a Baltimore City police officer, so yeah. like you know, so he used to say like zinc instead of sink, mm-hmm. um, and even our uncle, one of our uncles who lives down the road from us, pretty much. Um, he has a little bit more of a, a Baltimore accent yeah. than I um, But do. I say water, and I think that's definitely... Um, our mom kind of says things, too, like... And about, so kindergarten is kindergarten for she her? She says kindergarten, which is funny. Yeah. She says Tuesday. Tuesday instead of Tuesday. Yeah. There's, like, certain little There's things like she says. There's, like, one or two other things she does that I just kind of love. Yeah, that she just thinks is funny or whatever. But, yeah, so... Anyway, but, like... But, yeah, he is from Baltimore. He's from Baltimore. He was in Hairspray. He was in the original Hairspray. Um, he has been in uh, that movie, the show... I don't think... I don't know if he was ever in The Wire, but he's in the continuation of The Wire, which is The We Own the City. He was in that show. Mm-hmm. He was in um, The Good Wife. Mm-hmm. He was in The Good Wife. Which is a show, but I never really watched it. Uh-huh. He was really good in that. Um, he obviously was in this. He was in this. Um, pretty... Just, like, general stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he is a Baltimore guy, and he, Mm -hmm. like, definitely, like, when he goes on talk shows or when he gets interviewed, he's always asked about Baltimore, and he reps it, and he's in commercials and stuff like that. So it's just really cool to see somebody that is from where you are from. I think so, too. you know, really, um... It's like him and, like, Jonathan Sheck, kind of. 
because he's also from Baltimore. Yeah, but you've never seen anything about Johnson Chick, other than him being in that thing you do. Exactly. And well, he's like, but at a time, like, people knew who he was, and he was, like, popular or whatever. But, like, yeah, like, he's from there. Actually, that is so funny you say that. Do you know who he was married to? Oh, he was married to, um, oh, God. Uh, She's in Frozen, right? Mm Mm-mm. Oh, that's not the one, right? Oh, shit. It was, like, some lady. Um, it was a lady, obviously, but, like... Yes, it gay. was. Um, oh, who was he married to? Because he would... He fought, He um would escort Ellen he DeGeneres. He was from, like, um, Edgewood or something. Yeah. Um, he would escort Ellen DeGeneres to, like, award shows and shit or whatever when he moved. Oh! Look at that! Jonathan Sheck was married to Christina Applegate for many a year. <laughs> They were married from 2001 to 2007. Look at that. It all comes back. When you said that, I was like, hold on. Well, apparently, fun fact, which I don't know how accurate this is, so don't quote me. Don't come at me. It's fine. But from him being up in the Harford County, he was born in Edward, Maryland. Mm -hmm. Um, Which we're familiar with because we lived up like in that area. And then he was married to Gina Kramer, who's Who's an actress lady, I think. She's a singer or whatever. I've heard about her, but whatever. They they didn't. They didn't. um, Damn, he's been married three times. He has been married three times. Okay, I think um, he's doing all right now. He also had drug addiction and stuff like that, too. Oh, yeah, he said he said he, uh, he accompanied actress Ellen Jenner who had not come out as a lesbian mm-hmm. to public. Yeah, because he just was kind of like... Yeah, they got married. Him and Christina Applegate got married in October 2001, and in 2005, December 2005, he filed for a divorce citing irreconcilable differences, which became final in August 2007. Okay, so... Back to him. I like how we're just talking about Jonathan Jack. It's fine. Sorry. So back to him. Um, it makes sense. He was married to Christina Applegate. Yeah. So it all it ties in because I was like, because I completely, I didn't, I didn't even think you were. going to I say didn't his realize name. that. I yeah. didn't think you were going to say his name, and then when you did, I was like, oh my god, he was married to Christina Applegate. That's so funny. He's married to Christina. So something about um, don't. Oh, Edward. So yeah, he's born in Edward, So he's going to Harford County. I heard through the grapevine years ago that there is this. Um, there are these really nice. Um, you know, when you go out in Bel Air and all that, there are really nice developments and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. there's like a, a mansion type houses, and apparently they lived there or they had a house there. I'm sure he has houses other places. Probably. I don't know how accurate that is. I don't know how accurate it is either. But I heard it, and then I heard, oh, you know, so and so, he was a he and him, him and Christina Applegate, you know, when they were married, they, they lived there again. I don't know if that's true. Or, you know, did they have a house if they wanted to, you know. People, yeah, because maybe you know, his family have, was still there. People have, right, people have houses, you know, in New York and yeah. LA and Tennessee and Texas, wherever they want to yeah. be. But, you know, if they're in a hometown. So, again, because there's a lot of people from Baltimore that probably do. But well, anyway. like John Waters, like, is somebody who he loves. But that's what I heard. Baltimore, this was like, years yeah. ago I heard this kind of. And I was like, I don't know how accurate that is. But I don't either. It's just funny because it's, they're definitely like. Yeah. And somebody to that. Um, magnitude. Magnitude or caliber would definitely be living in those type of houses. Yeah, sure, sure. Or like, I don't really want to hear much about him. Sometimes I think even things. But, yeah, he was definitely um, big for that scene you do. Yeah, totally. And then just being in other stuff as well. Yeah. Um, also, fun fact as well, Christian Siriano is from that area as well, not Edgewood, but he was in Bel Air. He was from there. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's people who knew. You could definitely make a segment of like, the Baltimore people. Uh huh. Like, yeah, Pinkett totally. Jada Pinkett Smith, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then also, uh, as we already know, Michael Phelps, like, he literally, like, was known. I think he went to Towson or something. He literally, well, he literally is from Baltimore. Bel- Julie Bell is from Maryland. Yeah. Well, uh, I was going to say Michael Phelps is literally from Bel Air. Yeah. Like, he oh, wow. literally was there. Uh, but Julie Bowen, yeah, from, from Baltimore. Plenty of people who are just from yeah. here. And I don't know. I like it. It's cool. Anyway, back, some... 
Sorry. Sarah just knocked my phone. And Sorry. that's rude. Anyway, so Josh Charles. We'll Back get to off Josh of Charles, him. yeah. So, yeah, he's... Yeah, he's he um, was on Jimmy Fallon. I don't like Jimmy Fallon very much. But Jimmy... He was on one of the... I think he was on Jimmy Fallon. And he was talking about, like, Snowballs or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think it was Jimmy Fallon. And that was funny because, like, people... If you don't already know, like, Snowballs, I think, are a thing anywhere. But, like, especially... In Maryland. In Maryland. Like, we are definitely... the We were Snowball people... Probably still are snowball yeah. people. Fucking hey, good summer. hot day. A good, good hot especially day. Especially in, in let me tell you. Let me tell you something because it is humid as shit here sometimes. So I will say, yep, you get that nice little blue or cherry or something. Uh, my go-to is well, I don't know. I have a, like one or two go-tos, but I like my marshmallow. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that marshmallow that it does not taste like uh, real anything, but it's so good. Um, sometimes I'm funny. Sometimes I do like wedding cake, and it's like nothing. It's like clear. Right. Other times I do like strawberry. I do the blue or the cherry. Um, my husband does um, skylight, oh, what is but that? he is, it's blue. Love that. He doesn't do any of those stuff with it. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I like I like I like um having mine with marshmallow. In it. Yeah, because that marshmallow stuff tastes so weird, but it's so good. I don't know. It's just it's just a Maryland thing. It's not. It's, it's not a Baltimore thing. It's not food. So, but, but yeah, so we, um, Josh Charles was very, uh, you know, we, we love that, that he was in this movie. And also, we, so obviously we have our, we have our Orioles that are up on our team for baseball. Mm-hmm. And Ravens. And we have Baltimore Ravens for, um. Which is so funny because the Raven, I think the Ravens are literally because of, like, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Which is Yeah, hilarious. when they, when they became a, I believe they became a team in 96. Now let's not get my husband up here because he would go. To town. And this is not a sports podcast. With, exactly. He will go to town and talk about the sports. That's his, that's his love right there. Maybe if we do a sports movie, he can come on. I don't know. Yeah, right. Anyway. Um, so, anyway, um, funny enough, Josh Charles is recently in an M&T commercial, which M&T Bank Stadium oh, yeah. is. M&T Bank Stadium is where the Ravens are. The Ravens play. are, yeah, yeah. So he, and Camden Yards is where the Orioles are. Yeah, and they're right across the street from each other. Yes. Um, I'm actually going there next week for Mother's Day. Oh, nice. Well, but, well, we're, I did. this is going to be in a... This is gonna. I'm going there next week when it's Mother's Day. Yes, yeah, so we're this recording shot, this in be, May. Yeah. So, so it'll be a month from when it, when you hear this. It'll be a month ago. I went. Yes, yes. Um, but anyway, love, love to get down to some games and all that and all that. But anyway, um, but he did a commercial for MT because they do just different ones. Oh, cute. And all that, and he was in it, so it's funny. And um, and he just shows his like Baltimore pride. We love that. But anyway, so in this movie, this was back in 1990. He. And I thought I remember this from watching it. And then I probably watched this another time or two. I haven't watched this a ton of times, but I've definitely watched it more than once. And I could have swore that I remembered he wore an Oreo hat. Yeah. Like an Oreo cap. He does, um, yeah. And we'll get into it. In the that, show. Yeah. Or in the movie. Not the show, sorry. Which is kind of like funny, because like that's his kind of like his... Um, it's his little thing he does. His so little thing that he brings. In he's movies, Walmart. he'll do that. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, let's move on. So love Josh that. Charles, we love you. Um, come on the show. Kenny and his loser friends are then next, because they're, like, literally... Because this is set in California, L.A., so, like, they're on top of, like, a fucking building or whatever, just being wastoids or whatever. And so, like, they're just talking about, like, being losers or whatever, so it's him and his friends. Yeah. Because Kenny does have an arc at some point. But anyway, so then... He does. Swell gets this job, and they're... Swell and Brian, they're closing up uh, the clown dog with their weird-ass boss that they have or whatever. And, you know, she's talking about, like, you know... Oh, that boss was something else. That boss was weird. Yeah, he, he was, was very weird. He was very odd. He was uh, Mr. Like, Egg. He was like, smile. And she was like, screw she's you. Like, no. Um, but anyway, so, you know, she's talking about, like, you know, God, I... <laughs> it's not like I woke up and just decided, like, you know, I'm going to, like, 
scrub fat bats, you know what I mean? And then, of course, like, you know, and you know what? You've got to do that type of job one time in your life, be on the food. I have not. I've been fired from any food job I had. I've done it. Uh, I've worked a couple places, but it's just not one of those I would really have got. If I absolutely had to, I would, but I did that back in my 16, 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And she even 19. says that she's just like, nobody wants to hire a teenager for nothing that's anything disgusting. So, yeah. anyway, but then. Brian tells her pretty much, you know, like, well, hey, if you don't like it, like, why don't you go? And then, so then not she decides, not in a bad way, but she, he's talking about, like, you know, because they're friends. Yeah. Like, you know, he seems like a normal, well, just a guy. And so, yeah, like, uh, she decides. She's like, she's okay, like, I'm, like, I'm going to quit. quit. Yeah. <laughs> so she quits. She's like, thanks for the advice. So she leaves on out. I totally get it. You know, why not? So she then goes to look for another job. Now, kids, when, before the internet, you did have to go... And either maybe know somebody who had a job somewhere, and you'd have to go into the place to get a paper application. Okay? Fill it out. And fill it out and give it back, and then maybe they, they hire you uh, a couple days later or whatever. But this is what you had to do back in the day, is that you go into the classifieds and go look and see where you could try to get a job at, yep, because they were... It, yeah. Circle it, and be like, all right, I'm going to go here, here, and here. It was funny. She, um, so she had obviously left the clown dog place, and she was like, circled ones, and she did McDonald's, and she was like, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, but she, so she finds this, um, she's looking for another job, you know, as she does. And then she gets her, uh, so she's looking and she circles this one for a place called General Apparel West, G-A-W. They're looking for a receptionist. I think it was a, it's heavy phones. You need to only type 45 minutes of worlds per minute, which is not even anything, but like, okay. Uh, and all this. And so she gets her resume book out. She gets her typewriter out because this is how old this movie is. Um, if they made a remake of this, it would definitely be... Oh, my God. The iMacBook. Yes, of course. And, like, all of this. It'd and, be, like, all apps. But they can't make this movie again no, because... Can't. Oh, God. We, we'll get into it, too. But... Because I've also worked in, like... I've worked in corporate jobs. We both have. But, like, you know, I've worked in corporate jobs. I've worked in human resources before. So, you know. There's no way they could get away with this again, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but Swell uh, on her resume, Suellen Crandall. At this point, we actually find out what her actual name is, because I don't think they call her Suellen, maybe, or know specifically of, like, the, her name's actually Suellen. But she says she goes to have Vassar at FIT um, on her resume and, and all this, and she makes up all this other shit. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, it's, like, her doing this resume and all this. And so then we're moving on to next. So she then drives out uh, to General Peril West. Mm-hmm. So she's going to... And before this, she's getting her outfit together and everything like that. And some of the outfits were okay, but she then ends up with this black and white, like, shoulder paddy type of um, really cute outfit that she has on. Um, just all the clothes in this are just so iconic. They're so good. So yeah, Swell goes to General Peril West and she meets Carolyn. Um, and so Carolyn's a real bitch. So, you know, she's, like, talking down to her pretty much because, you know, Swell goes up to the desk. She's, like, hi, I'm here for the receptionist job. And, she, you know, Carolyn's all like, you know, well, you have to go down to personnel. And, like, which is what they called human resources back yeah. in the day. And so then, um, you know, and so there's a big sign that says personnel. And she's just being so condescending and rude. And so, you know, Swell's all like, you know, I got it. Um, and so, anyway, what ends up happening is that Carolyn, like, goes somewhere. She, like, steps away from the desk or something like that, doing something. And um, we see that uh, Rose, our intro to Rose, played by Joanna Cassidy, uh, she comes out um, looking for Carolyn for something or whatever, and she's like, 
Uh, Saul says something to her um, about, like, you know, oh, yeah, like, uh, mousy brown hair, like, you know, <laughs> sort of pale or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, like, somehow, some way, like, Swell's there, Rose is there, and Rose is just like, you know, um, hey, what are you doing here? Like, is, where's your resume? Like, oh, I'm here for the receptionist job. Like, I'm a resume here. She's like, oh, this resume is, like, so great. Like, you know. And she's like, I know it's kind of odd, but, you know, I was actually looking, you know, Carolyn was supposed to be my executive administrative assistant, but, like, I can't stand her. And I think, <laughs> your, I think your resume would be perfect for this level of um, a job or whatever. Like, right. and, you know, do you really want to take, like, a, a step back or whatever in your career and all that? And so, magically, somehow, some way, Swell gets in to be this executive administrative assistant right um and yeah so she just like instantly gets hired pretty much um, and yeah we then have an intro to gus who we meet um played by john getz and he is like another executive at gaw but like he is also kind of a the on again off again boyfriend of rose apparently mm-hmm. anyway so i have in my notes swell gets instantly hired which is great and is thrust into being an adult um, so this pretty much, uh, goes into like, you know, Rose is showing her, um, like her office area. She's showing up where, you know, everyone else is or whatever, all this kind of stuff. Right. And yeah. She's just thrust into it and she's just like, okay, I guess I have this job. And of course, Rose gives her a nice little bit of advice of saying like, whenever we're not like in the same place, whenever we're like not alone or like whatever it is and all that, if anybody ever says anything, you know, or if anybody has a question about something or, or whatever, you always just say, I'm right on top of that, Rose. Like, literally just saying, like, you know, say this pretty much to make it seem like you're you're doing your job, you're on top of everything, whatever. Um, and I just think it's really funny because I think that writing is lampooning just the idea of the corporate culture in general. Everyone always has to seem like they're busy doing something, even if you caught up on your work and maybe you're just hanging out or whatever, right? But, like, you know, you always have to be doing something. Otherwise, you don't want somebody to be like, you know, oh, God, they lay me off because I'm not doing anything. Or, oh, my job's all, like, you know, it's maybe redundant, right? Right. And so I just think that's really funny that they have this kind of thing of, like, I'm right on top of that rose to kind of show that. Sarah's also wearing a shirt right now that has the Midnight Society on it. And I didn't realize it until, like, halfway through this podcast. But anyway, so... It's one of my things. I got my Nick box a while back. Yeah, I ended up canceling because there was so much shit there I didn't use. I never But remember. there was some cool stuff. There was some cool stuff. Look at 91. Love that. Anyway. But, um, yeah. So she's, like, thrust into being an adult. This is where we have the wonderful scene of Swell and the kids and, and Kenny and all them. They're out to pizza uh, for a night. And, you know, she's talking about how she's, like, a... She's talking about how she's a... Um, an executive administrative assistant to the senior director of operations. Very fancy title. And Very all this. fancy. And she's talking about how much she's making, which in the movie in 1991, she was making $37,500 in that, which when I looked for inflation, apparently is about $80,000 nowadays. Um, for Not bad. And especially for an executive administrative assistant, I was like, that's pretty handsome, actually, really. But it was LA. It is LA. So technically, whatever. Anyway, so, you know, they're out to pizza. And then what ends up happening is that they are using Mrs. Starak's Buick to, to drive there. Because they're not supposed to drive Mom's Volvo or whatever. But anyway, so then, uh, in the middle of them leaving this pizza restaurant, we see that, uh, I guess, some drag queens have decided to uh, take their car, I guess. 
Why? I don't know, but they just do. And so we have, like, Eliza drag queen. We have, like, a Cher drag queen, I think. I don't remember exactly. But, like... Marilyn three... Monroe. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Marilyn Monroe. Yes, yes, yes. She was, like, in the middle. And then, of course, like, one of the little kids is like, what's a drag queen? And then, we're like... So this is where we see, like, in the... Um... So I was saying earlier, like, when... Because it's Eliza drag queen as well. But, like, um, when Swell and Kenny say Liza, I think they actually said shit, really, on the actual reel. And then Kenny says, like, you know, oh, hey, what are you queens doing with our car or whatever? And I think in this time he actually says, what are you bitches doing with our car or whatever? So, again, that kind of... Because you can see, like, the way that it doesn't match up with what he's actually saying. So I was like, that's a little weird. But anyway... So now they're stranded in the middle of nowhere. Uh, well, not in the middle of nowhere, but in the middle of the shopping center with no car. It wasn't even their car to begin with, so it doesn't matter anyway. But uh, they're just like, and then of course, like the one kid, like Walter, he's all like, I miss mommy, you know? And then Swell just has to think of something. She's like, all right, well, what are we going to do? And who do I know that drives? Like, oh, can't Hellhound come and get us? And be like, no, can't do any of that. And she's like, you have to bribe him to come out? And he's like, yeah. Like, you know, Kenny's just like that. She's like, all right, I think I have somebody who can come and get us. So, because we did find out that Brian is the delivery driver for the clown dog. So he has access to the clown dog vehicle Mm -hmm. that is just like this clown, like van thing that is, and it just plays music or whatever. Um, And so he, she calls him to like help them out and to help take them home pretty much, uh, which is very nice. And we did cross reference this before we started in this scene uh, with, uh, you know, Josh Charles coming up. He is wearing his Oreo hat in the driver's seat. And it's the old Orioles logo, because it's now... now oh, I mean, there's obviously been a couple logos, but it's the one that was the one in the 90s. Yes, yes. So he is wearing it in this one. He doesn't wear it again, I don't think, but he does wear it in this. Yeah. We, we made sure before I just like that that was like a tie-in to... I love that. It's very funny. But yeah, so... And then, you know, they're back at home, and, like, everyone's, like, the kids are fighting, I guess, inside the house. And so Swell and Brian, you know, they're talking to each other, and, you know... Saying, like, oh, well, thanks for, you know, helping out in the bind and all this. Um, Brian offers them some of the extra food that he has from his shift. I'm like, hey, like, do you want some of this or whatever? And she's like, yeah, you know, I'll go to the market first thing in the morning. It's fine. But then you hear just, like, Melissa screaming. <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, maybe I will take that. Never mind. I, I got it. I'll take this. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> so then, you know, this is their little, it's not their meat cute, if you will. But it's very much like, a, um, yeah, it's like them just, like, Getting to know each other a little bit different, you know, because that was a really nice thing he did. So, anyway, so then Sue, uh, Sue Ellen, she is uh, now having to hit the grind. So, I feel the, that. the next, the next scene we have is her waking up at five thirty in the morning. Oh God, I do not miss those days. I do not wake up that early in the morning to to get ready Neither for work. I. I can't do it. I used to do that, and I can't do it anymore. Um, so. Anyway, uh, she gets ready uh, for work, so she has, like, she gets ready for her vanity, she's putting on, you know, some sort of outfit, which is very much like these late 80s into the 90s kind of outfits, a little flowy, but, like, still really cute, though. She gets ready, and she is leaving for work, so she comes down to the um, kitchen, where the kids are at the table and all that, except for Kenny, obviously, but the other kids are there. She has breakfast, which is really, literally, Captain Crunch in a big bowl with a bunch of milk in it. Yep. She's like, here you go. Because they're like, what are you making? Pancakes, waffles? <laughs> nope. Eggs? They're like, nope. Yes. She's like, here you go. Here Get you crunch go. milk. 
here's all these spoons. Mm-hmm. How about it? Exactly, exactly. And, and I'm like, so, same. Same, I get it. I, I keep Cocoa Pebbles uh, on deck all the time because it's a great snack. It's a great, it's a great like little lunch. It's a great dinner if you need it. You know, whatever. It's great. I had some yesterday morning. I love that. Um, anyway. Crunch will rip your top of your mouth, top of your mouth up. So I don't yeah. really eat that anymore. Yeah, I don't either. I don't do that. Some of those cereals are very harsh. They're really harsh. I like Cocoa Pebbles or Fruity Pebbles. And I also like... Um, okay, we need to have a... Okay, how is this becoming a fucking thing? Because we talk about cereal. So I'm a little weirdo. And I can't remember who I was talking to this. We were talking about cereal. Oh, we were talking about... This is at work. It was my job. We were talking about cereal like a couple weeks ago. But anyway, so... This is how I want cereal. If I eat cereal, I will, you know, put my cereal in my milk. And then mm-hmm. I will kind of get all the... You know, you're kind of pouring it in the cereal, so I kind of try and get all the cereal in the bowl. Because mm-hmm. um, some of it some, some of it hits to the side and kind of stays there. Anyway, so I do that, and then I, some people, like, they just go right into it. Like, they just go, and they, they start eating their cereal. They're like, oh, like, crunch, 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 crunch. Like, me, like, I do it, and I kind of get it all, like, saturated. Mm-hmm. Or, that sounds really gross, but... Yeah, I know, you want to get it all milky. Yeah, milky. Like, I get it all in the milk and all that, and I kind of give it a couple minutes, and then I eat it. So I kind of like my cereal, like, a little soggy. That's not bad. Okay. I mean, it sounds. I don't. No, I get what you're like, saying. You're weird. I like, I kind of do a similar thing. Like I I was I do that and then I kind of let it sit and then I get it let it soften a little bit and then yeah. I eat it. Not to say I can't eat it the other way, but it doesn't take long for it to get soggy. But like yeah. I do that with like like the special K like yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. like the stuffed little yogurt. I like that and I let that kind of get mm-hmm. um like that and then cinnamon toast crunches like another one I kind of eat um sometimes and I do the same thing. But it's not like I sit there and I do like. You know, I don't eat it right away. Which yeah. Some people are like, you need easier right away. You can't. Like... No. But, I don't know. It almost like... We were talking feels... about that, how, like, some of us are kind of, like, the same where we do that. Some people are like, how, how can you it eat feels it? Like, it feels like it's almost like an oatmeal type thing, kind of, sort of. Because oatmeal is, like... That's just how it's my sticky. preference. So, I didn't know if, like, no. you were like that or... I... What I do... So, I like Cocoa Pebbles or Fruity Pebbles... Or Reese's Pieces, uh, the Reese's Puff um, thing. Yeah. I really like those. But I haven't eaten that in a minute. But there's that. I also like, uh, I did like Cheerios for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I also love me. I haven't gotten it in a minute. I do like me some Raisin Bran. But. Me too. Yeah, I like Raisin Bran. I don't like um, Raisin Bran Crunch. I like the regular Raisin Bran. But it's got to be, but it, uh, but I feel you because it's like cornflakes. So like you got to have the milk in there. You got to let it sit for a little bit. So that you have that, because really what I'm into it for, and I'm sorry if you don't like raisins, I like raisins. So, like, you got to have it up in there so you get the raisins. Yeah. And you get that kind of thing. It's real good. Yeah. Um, this is not cereal talk with Sarah and Jesse, though. But um, whatever, I mean, they're cereal. Yeah. It's fine. Now, see, I think my husband is more of not letting it get like that. Like, I think he eats it, like, soon. Whatever. So it's like, whatever. Anyway. So then... So um, that's our talk about cereal. That's our talk about cereal and breakfast. And anyway, so then... Sue Ellen gets the lowdown on her job. And what I mean by this is that she really sees what, like, her job entails. Entails, right. So, like... And when they were saying that, and I was like... Like, oh my god. That seems like, like, she's definitely not qualified for it. Oh, yeah, no, totally. She's a fast learner, though, but it's, like, fucking, you have to do this, this, and this. Like, you have to, like, you coordinate sales stuff, and you gotta, like, coordinate the department heads, and, like, do all this, and be the hub of communication, and all this. Which, as somebody who hasn't been an executive assistant, but I've been an administrative assistant, I mean, yeah, definitely. The executive assistants, like, they have a... Because you're literally doing, like... 
you're not an executive yourself, but like you are literally supporting the executive of a company who's making a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're literally doing a lot of the stuff that they can't do all the time, you know? So she also learns about the QED report mm-hmm. as well, which is something where, you know, she's like, I don't know what the fuck any of this is. She can hardly work a computer. I know. I looked at that. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? She's yeah. like, I'll picture you. And we're like, yeah. Should I need it by this time? And she's like, exactly. Exactly. Great. Um, anyway, so then, um, so she gets to load down her job. She's starting to feel like that. Oh my God. Okay. In the meantime, we do find out because she talks to Carolyn mm-hmm. a little bit because she sees that there's clown dog there. She went and got some clown dog and she's just like, and he delivered it. Yeah. He delivered it. And so then this is where we find out because Carolyn tells us like, Oh, like, Oh, sometimes my brother, my brother drives the delivery van and sometimes he comes by and he like gives me something. Is that okay with you? And she's like, yeah, sure, whatever, I don't, I don't mind. Um, you know, now she realizes, like, oh, they're related. Oh, shit. You know, because um, I like this guy, but this girl doesn't like me, so yeah. whatever. Anyway, as we have already kind of stated, like, Suel, Suel is um, a little over her head, if you will, kind of a thing. Um, and she's just, like, feeling a little overwhelmed because she doesn't know how to do any of this stuff. She doesn't know nothing about the QED report. Right. She doesn't know how to fax something, like... Do you know how to fax something, Sarah? Yes. Okay, good. I do too. Because uh, I've had to do that before I've my job. I've had to do that at a couple jobs. And yeah. Especially, I've got my guy. I was just going to say, I faxed a lot of shit today, or t- today, like this last week. Yeah, yeah. I used to have to fax Nothing stuff as well. Nothing crazy, but you know, that's just how our kind of our communication is with other things. Yeah, and, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. Oh, bitch. I've had to use um, interdepartmental mail. All that stuff. People sometimes don't even know what the shit that is. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, that's what this is. But, and, uh, but yeah, so... No, yeah. our fax machine it looks like it's something from the 80s, so... Oh, my God. It probably yeah. is from the 80s. Totally. But anyway, so yeah, she gets the lowdown on this job, though. She's just like, oh, my God, I'm, like, over my head. I think... Doesn't she go down to the warehouse at this point, too? I think she um, does. She ends up there somehow. Because that's what she finds out. Um, I think it's where she finds out what General Apparel West actually does. Like, she thought it'd be more fashion design. But really what they do is they do, like, industrial, uh, like, uniforms. uniforms. Yeah. So, is this the part... So, is this when... Because I think this is kind of a good point of it. Kind of, like, a relevant point. Um, when she when um, she's like, oh, the QED report, whatever. And then she's like... She tells her to fax something. Yes, I'm getting to that. But I think she also, during this whole thing, where... Oh, yeah, because, yeah. So, Rose does take her through the uh, warehouse because she talks about how, like, you'll be working with Franklin. Yeah. Franklin, by the way, is the same actor who is also in Carrie as the English teacher. That's also Franklin. Oh, that's what you... Okay. Yes, yes. I did talk about that. But she takes her, like, through the warehouse and all this because she says you're going to be approving purchase orders for me and blah, 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 whatever. So, yeah, she's just, like, over her head. Oh, maybe this was afterwards. It was afterwards, yeah. But, like, she was like, I'm over my head or whatever. But don't worry, because Kathy is here to save the day. What would she do if she Kimmy Robertson, because literally, like... She's just like, she's like, hi, I'm Kathy, you know, and like, I'm over in sales or whatever, and blah, blah, blah. And she has this voice, amazing. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, was I disturbing you? Were you faxing or something? Because she was trying to fax it. And it was not and working. And like, she was doing it, and she was doing it all wrong, and then she was like trying to pull it, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, she she's didn't funny. know anything. But, so she watches Kathy fax something, so she's like, okay, this is how I do this. Right. And then she's like, well, if you need any help with anything, like, you know, I'm over in sales and whatever. And this is where we find out. She's like, hey, do you know anything about the QED report? And she's just like, 
the QED report, like, oh my gosh, like, are you sure? She's like, yeah, go ahead. And so she's just like, go do this for right. me. She's like, because I'm not going to do it. Right. Or she doesn't know how to do it. She doesn't know anything about it. And so, which actually is a good point of delegation. I think that's awesome. Like, very, very uh, good to know how to delegate. Well, I think she also said in there that, you know, like she, oh, she's like, oh, hi, I'm so and so, and then she's like, oh, you know, what? she said who was, mm-hmm. oh, she's like, oh, wow, she's like, I, I applied for that position and didn't get it, yeah, yeah, and then she's sitting there like literally doing the work. Well, congratulations, and you know all this, so she's so fun. But yeah, Kathy's here to save the day. I love Kathy so much. But anyway, so then um, have this going on, and then we have our intro to Bruce, played by David Duchovny. Um, mm-hmm. And so Bruce is the head inventory clerk at GAW, and he's like trying to get some estimates from her or whatever. And in the meantime, this is um, while Swell has called home to Kenny, and Kenny is like, um, he's at home taking care of the home stuff because he doesn't have a job. So like he's doing that and whatever, but like, but like you know, Swell's trying to talk to him, but like Bruce is there as well, and so you know she's like kind of getting annoyed at like Bruce a little bit and like with Kenny because they're fighting a little bit with Kenny and her, mm-hmm. and so she like she takes a minute from Kenny and she's just like, listen, Bruce, like I'm an executive administrative assistant, and when I get those estimates to you, I will let you know and I will call you up to it. Right. Like she's telling him like you know I know what the fuck you want. I haven't gotten to it yet, and I will let you know when I've gotten to it, okay? So she does it very nicely, I think, in, you know, saying, like, saying that she's not going to be fucked with. Um, but yeah, so, oh, and he's also um, the guy who, <laughs> Kimmy Robertson, so Sarah is showing me her IDB page. So she's in Twin Peaks, and she's um, a, an icon, but she's also in Beauty and the Beast. She's the feather duster. Uh, I love that. Yeah, no, Kimmy is awesome. Just funny. Yeah, Kathy's great. But anyway, so then, yeah, so Kenny and Swale, they fight with each other. Oh, she was also in Pepper Ann for a couple episodes. Don't worry, we're going to do, I, that movie's really boring, um, Witchboard, but the, the actress who plays Pepper Ann is actually in that movie, and it was like a person, so I really want to, I want to do that kind of, anyway. But anyway, so like, yeah, Kenny and Swale fight, Sarah's just like distracting me, it's fine. But anyway, so like, Kenny, Kenny and Swell they fight a little bit or whatever, and this is where he hangs up the phone, and then like, the, it rings back, and he's just like, what? And it's his mom. <laughs> so like, you know, so this is Kenny talking to his mom, and like, um, making up something about Mrs. Sturak not being there or whatever, and yada yada, pretty much. What we find out is that Bruce and Carolyn are actually together. We end up finding out, because I don't think we knew that at first. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of knew each other, but now they we find out that they're actually a, a couple um, and whatever. And so Carolyn already doesn't like Swell because she finds out that she got the job and all right. that. Because that was the other scene we didn't really mention was that, like, when Swell comes into work, like, you know, she's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I work here. I work for Rose. And she's like, What? Uh, and all that. And so then Bruce has also, like, kind of gotten his own little thing with Swell, where he's just like, oh, okay. So I guess they're kind of against her, if right. you know. Anyway, we're back at home, and Kenny uh, is uh, watching TV with Walter. They're watching Password or something. And then he turns the channel to Julia Child. Julia Child? Did you watch Julia Child again? No. No? Anyway. So, yeah, but Julia Child, she's, like, watching, he's, like, watching her watching her make some food or whatever. And I guess this is supposed to ignite, like, that he is somewhat interested in culinary feats Mm -hmm. and whatever. 
But they're just like watching. Also, it can we just say how crazy old the remote is when they're using it? I know. I'm like, oh my god. Oh dear god. It's so good. But anyway, so then what ends up happening is that we're back at the office and Swell's doing her job and everything. And Rose is talking about having to get money or like she has to uh something about like ordering in or something and like take it from petty cash. So this is where uh Swell learns about what petty cash is. She's like, yeah, it's in your locked drawer or whatever. That's where all the money is. Like you can cash um checks for our um for like our employees or whatever because we work such crazy hours and all this. So Swell learns that she just has access to petty cash. Have you ever worked with petty cash before? Because I never did in a job. Um I was never responsible for petty cash ever. I would be in I would be in charge of like invoices and stuff, but I would never have to literally deal with like petty petty cash. Except working at a store or something where you're literally handling cash money. I don't think so. And I don't think so either. Thinking. Most of us were like we had to do with checks or like Whatever the hell. Because you used to do... Sarah, fun fact with Sarah, she used to do... She kind of still does, but you used to um, do payment posting. So a lot of what you dealt with was money all the time anyway. But a lot of that money was not liquid, like, cash money. It was, like, check money or some other kind of money or whatever. It's not like you're handling cash all the time. Am I correct? Yes. I'm just trying to... Or do you have to, have to go to a lockbox and, like, get out cash or something, or no? Yeah, my one job there was, when I was on the billing part, I, we did go, like, we took all, took turns to go to the bank and get the, but petty cash, I want to say, I, I want to say there's one job, but I can't remember now. Yeah, I never had to do that. I always dealt with just invoices or checks. Not that I ever had to, like, touch it, but, I don't know. Yeah, exactly, I don't know. Except, like, working at a store or something where you're dealing with, like, cash money, obviously. But anyway, so, um... Yeah, she learns about what petty cash is and, like, how, like, you know, anything, like, you um, have to use petty cash for, like, just give me a receipt and I'll authorize or whatever. That's what it's kind of there for. So she definitely embezzles some money <laughs> because she takes some of it because she's, like, because she's realizing, like, okay, like, I'm getting food for the family, but it's going really quick. So, like, fucking what do I do? And she hasn't got paid quite yet. So she's just, like, okay, like, whatever. Because she just thinks in her head, she's, like, all right, well, I'll just, I'll have this very 17 year old way of thinking um i'll have this check for about over a thousand bucks or whatever and i'll just like replace it or whatever and so um yeah so just tell you guys it's not over a thousand dollars. it's not over a thousand dollars we'll learn that um so she definitely embezzles some money a little bit and she comes home and she reads into kenny and his friends because she's coming home she's just trying to relax or whatever and like literally him him and his friends are playing music and she's just trying to take a nice little bath. And she is just, like, reading into them. Because, you know, she's pretty much saying, she's like, you know, I go to work all day. I have to do all this. And then what are you doing here at home? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, reads into her and his friends, pretty much. Um, so you still have that. Because she's getting ready, I guess, for a date. Is what she's doing. Because she yes. even says she has a date. So we see Brian and Swell are on their little beach date. Okay, it's real cute. Um, you know, they, I guess they drove the, the clown dog truck out on the beach. Mm -hmm. I don't know how practical that is, but okay. Um, anyway, so they're talking with one another, getting to know each other. Again, at this point, Swell knows who his sister is, no, but she doesn't yeah, mention she does. it. Um, but they talk about not staying stuck, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you, you're made to... Like, it feels... Because I guess they're both the same age, right? They're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, they're talking about how, like, 
yeah, I'm not trying to stay at Clown Dog forever. Like, I'm going to do it until I go to talk to college or something and blah, 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 whatever. Uh, in the meantime, we've also learned that Suelle has kind of, like, you know, um, been told by her mom, like, oh, hey, look into those classes at the local college or whatever. And don't just, like, sit around all summer or whatever. But, right. like, you know, they're talking about not getting stuck with stuff and, like, you know... You have to be, it feels like you are put into this position where you have to choose something to do with the rest of your life. And then you get to a point where you're like, oh no, I don't want to do that or whatever, which I think is kind of a weird, it's not a weird way of thinking, but like it was a traditional way of thinking. But I think we're also, as time goes on, I think we're breaking in. We don't have that model as much, you know? Right. I, I think people are like, okay, I don't have to stay at a job for 30 plus years because of loyalty and because I feel stuck in what I'm doing. That just doesn't happen anymore. That just doesn't happen anymore. Um, and if you feel stuck in something, like you can always go to another company, you can always go into another industry with the transferable skills you do have and things like that. You know, I, I think as we get older, you know, I, I think people aren't just thinking like, I'm going to stay stuck in this because I'm going to wake up in 50 years and be like, oh, I hate my life. Hopefully, you have other things in your life other than your job that can help you to kind of enrich it other than you just being in a job. Right. You always get another job, you know. You're always stuck. But, you know, I, I think that's something they're trying to say about this. And, of course, they kiss, you know. And they have, like, these fucking... Because they're talking about grunions. I don't know what the fuck those are. I, I think know. they're, like, fish. Or something, because then, like, the fish are at their feet. And you have to have a shot of them, like, the fish. To yeah. Eat. I was like, that is so weird. But Because they're talking about grunions beforehand. They're like, hey, you want to go to the beach or whatever? Yeah, they're fish, I think. Yeah. I yeah. guess those are the fish that, like, end up at their it's feet fish, or whatever. Yeah. So I was like. Also. Sarah's had, looking at grunions. How to cook grunion. No, thank you. <laughs> so they're fish, whatever. Um, so that, what is a grunion? California grunion are a species of marine fish found only along the coast of Southern California. Oh, look at that. And that, northern... Okay. That so, ties into it, yeah. Yeah, because that's where they're at. Um, anyway, back to the Grunions. So, they are under the, like, beach... They're in the beach mm-hmm. under the boardwalk. Like the pier. Yeah, and um, under the pier. And they're... Uh, that one song's playing, the... I Only Have Eyes For You. Oh, yes, yes. So, that's a cute little... Because it, it plays back into it a little bit later on, mm-hmm. I think they do Yes, they do, yeah. That's a cute little moment. It's very have. cute. I love it. I love the beginning song of this movie as well. It's very good as well. It's like this and the end song. Um, it's the same thing. It's very yeah. good. Um, I like it. So, anyway, so then, yeah. So, they're back from the date or whatever, and it's the next day, and um, Swell's off her way on her way to work. And she tells Kenny, like, you know, I don't want you just sitting around all day. Like, you know, get some of this stuff cleaned up. Like, do the dishes. So then he invites his friends over after she leaves <laughs> to then do the dishes, quotes, where it means that they're literally just on, like, the awning. They're yeah. just, like, there. And they're, like, literally just playing target practice with the dishes with a gun yeah. that he somehow has. I'm like, okay, cool. Not safe. Not safe at all, but okay. But you know what? This is where we get our iconic line of, dishes are done, man. Great. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> um, I also think this is might be in the same... This might be where we also see Swell on her way to work. Um, you know, where she's on the freeway, and then she sees the people like uh, next to her yeah. going to the beach or whatever, and she's just like, damn, I'm 17, I have this corporate-ass right. job, damn it. Because her whole thing was... Was to... Have a good summer, and she was going to do that as well, and now she can't, so goddammit. Anyway, so, Swell and Gus, who is Rose's on and off again kind of thing, they go to lunch because he asks her out to go to lunch, I guess. 
is what happens. Like, they end up in the elevator together, and, like, yeah, they just end up pretty much going to lunch at some point, because he asks her, like, hey, like, are you doing anything right now? Because I guess he was looking for Rose, and she was out or whatever. She's like, well, hey, do you want to go to lunch? She's like, okay, yeah, sure. She's a 17-year-old. She doesn't know any different. She's just like, all right, whatever, cool. You're my boss's man or whatever but okay and anyway so they go to lunch at this place and like this like little place in LA or whatever mm-hmm. and then he drives her out there and all that and they're having lunch and he's just being like gross I just say in my notes Gus is gross yeah, he is pretty gross. much just like because he's coming on to her but she I don't think realizes it at first and right. then she does realize it and she's just like do you mean like because something he says is like, do you mean like having sex with you? And he's just like, well, I mean, <laughs> well, but you know, if that's something you're, because he doesn't know that she's a 17 year old. Right. She, he just think like he's, he's talking about like, you know, do people tell you how young you look and all this? And she's like, no. And whatever. Because like, you know, just so dumb. Right. So yeah, ew, Gus is gross. Do you have anything to add about no, that? He's just, yeah, he's just, he's, he's just, just being creepy. Greasy. Because before that, you don't really get grimy, it. You kind of, like, yeah. It just gives you an ick. Yeah, because at first. Gives you the ick. Yeah, you, at first you don't hear that, you don't see it. You're kind of like, oh, okay, like, he and No, when he shows up on the screen, I'm like, he's ick. I, don't, I didn't get that at first, maybe, but I get this ick. Yeah, totally. I just was kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, maybe because I'm a dude, too. I don't know. Whatever. We then have Brian and Swell go on their other little date. I was going to say they go to the toy store, but this is not a toy store. It is technically a big box store. Okay. Because I thought it was a toy store, but it, it, I think it's like a Walmart or something. Yeah. Like a big box store like that. And they get in their little hippity hops and bounce around. Um, because the whole point And of she was this, like, I'm not doing that. And he was like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, I think this is but kind of did. to show... Yeah, they do. It's to kind of show that like, hey, you know, like, we, don't, be a, don't be in a hurry to grow up so fast and always make sure to have fun and all that. I think that's what they're trying to say in this this part of the movie. Yeah, I, I guess is what they're trying to say. Because they're, like, hip-hopping around the goddamn store or whatever, and then it's really, really funny. And then, like, a worker, like, tells them, like, hey, you can't escape beyond that or whatever. And they're like, oh, okay, whatever. And then they, like, run out. Because, again, they're 17. Right. Like, they're teenagers. Like, they're supposed to be doing, like, fun shit and dumb shit or whatever. And it's nice that... Brian and her are able to have this nice little relationship and able to to be kids, if you will, I guess. And again, this is going back to the fact of, like, she's in this grown-up world, but she's trying to stay... A teenager. A teenager, though, yeah. But then we have our conflict of the movie, because, of course, we have to have a conflict in the movie. Brian and Swell, they have a fight because they're, he's talking about, like, you know, oh, hey, like, do you want to go to this, like, game with me? Uh, my sister has extra tickets and, you know, their box seats or whatever. And she's like, oh, no, I can't do that. I just remember I hate baseball. Because at first she wants to and she's like, oh, no, never mind. And so he's pretty much coming into, like, you know, why are you being so, like, weird with me? Like, why are you being so secretive? And in her brain, she's like, well, I'm trying not to tell you that I know your sister and she hurts my guts. Mm-hmm. So it's like she's just trying to, like, figure out something else. And he pretty much just, like, kind of says, you know what, like, I don't know what's going on with you, like, whatever. And she's like, well, I also have a lot going on, too. Like, I have to, like, help take care of my family and, like, all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. He's like, all right, you know what, well, you do what you got to do and whatever the hell. You know what I mean? Fine. I guess this is their little fight. Is there anything else you want to add? Or? Um, yeah, it's pretty much all it really It's really all it is, yeah. It's like... Now that she knows that who the sister is, she's like, I yeah. do not want her to... 
Yeah. Blowing my shit up because he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what's going on. And then also there's a reason. She doesn't, and Carolyn doesn't realize who she is. Like, exactly. Who it is and how old she is. Right, right. Because in this scene, too, is like, uh, I guess Brian has told Swell about, like, you know, how his sister has talked about this backstabber at work, which is her, and be like, you know, how do you know she's a backstabber? Like, all this. And. It's just, like, all that kind of thing going on. And, and again, it's, like, there are little conflict in the movie. So they, they kind of take a little break. Yeah. Because he literally disappears. for. This is the last time you'll see him until the end. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, we'll move into a whole other thing. So, Kenny, in the meantime, decides to try to just make breakfast the next morning. So this is the night, and then it's into the next morning. He tries making breakfast. And in the meanwhile, so he's trying to make breakfast. He's been watching Julia Child. And, you know, like, oh, she made these Belgian waffles and whatever. And he's trying to remake them and whatever. And the kids, you know, so Swell is talking to, like, the kids. And, you know, I think, like, Melissa talks about, like, you know, oh, hey, like, Little League practice or Little League tryouts are, you know, coming up. She's like, oh, we can't do those. Like, you know, I'm sorry. Like, maybe whatever. Like, she's just, like realizing that how overwhelming it can be to be a kind of a mother figure and also a working person where you, your priorities are all different. Right. But the kids are actually secretly stealing money from mm-hmm. Swell. So they're, they're like she, distracting her. Yeah. Because she's bringing home the petty cash. Yes. To be able bucket. to make, to be able to right to be able to like feed them and stuff and she's going to replace it or whatever. Anyway. So then, um, but the kids are secretly stealing money from her and she doesn't realize it. And so, yeah, but they're just doing all that. Sue Ellen goes to work. You know, she's on her way to work. She's off to work. And she gets roses from Gus. But uh, she gets them on her desk. But then she makes it to where she makes Rose believe that they're actually for her. So it'd be like, oh, because he's not, she's not actually interested in him. Yeah, Swell is trying to push Gus into Rose more. Yeah. Because it's way more age-appropriate, I guess, and she's not really interested. Did he deliver her the flowers? Yeah, she did. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so then we have that going on, and, you know, I don't think they have their, their little moment yet. There is a moment where her and Rose are, like, at night together, and they're, they're talking about Gus, but I think it it's comes a little bit further in the story. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so then we have that... Um, Rooster Carolyn, they are plotting against Sweller. So they're trying to figure out what they can do to bring her down, pretty much, right? Um, and so they're kind of, def- they're trying to figure out, like, you know, what could they do to try to, yeah, bring her down, pretty much. That's that's what they're trying to figure out. Like, what do they have on her? Because they don't really know what they exactly have on her yet. But I do see that, so yeah. And then in my notes, I have that everything is falling in on Swell. So I think what this refers to is, like, everything is just, like... Because I think this is also the scene where Carolyn and Brian... Brian has shown up to the job, and so he's talking to his sister, right? And so I'd be like, you know, oh, well, I don't know what's going on with Sue Ellen, and, like, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, Swell sees that he's there, and she's just like, oh, no, I gotta, like, hide or whatever. So everything's just, like, falling in on on her. Like, her job is, like, really stressful. Like, her pseudo-almost-boyfriend kind of thing is, like, kind of imploding a little bit. And now she's, like, almost uh, exposed at the job, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, she then ducks into Gus's office by accident. She doesn't realize it. And she's just like, oh, God, this creepy guy's, like, and he's like, me. hubba, hubba. Ugh. Like, this is horrible. Like, so everything is falling in on swell. Is there anything else of, like, what that happens with? What? 
Like, when everything's falling in on her. Like, when... Oh, I think uh, one of the things... It might come up... I think this might be a part of it, too, because isn't one of the things of, like, um, Kathy comes in sick and she gives the QED report to her? So all of this is, like, you know, falling in on on her pretty much because she's like why are you why are you doing it she's like it should be her job and she's like mm-hmm. oh and then she's yeah. like you can leave it here because right. carolyn's gonna like backstab her and be like, exactly she's not doing that yes 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 but again anything carolyn mm-hmm. does is just not in her favor exactly exactly um but then there's also a thing i think too it's either in this scene or it's a little bit further where like you know, yeah, like, like Carolyn tries to give this to Rose of like, you know, well, it's the QED report. Like, what is she doing with it? And she was like, well, if you must know, she's had somebody else do it for her. Mm-hmm. But Rose is awesome. And she's just like, I was wondering how you got all this stuff done. That's a great use of delegation, um, you know, Carolyn, right. you know, all this. And it's just like, that's so funny. Rose is like, I am not going to badmouth Sue as well. And Carolyn, go kick rocks. Yeah, you can go fuck yourself. But anyway, so then, yeah. Oh, we do see that, um, so yeah, everything's falling in on Sue Ellen and everything like that. And then Walter bought an entertainment system. So he has these guys just like, yeah, they just dropped it off and whatever. And so he's trying to watch TV and on his new entertainment system mm-hmm. that he bought. And he's having issues because of the antenna on top of the roof. Right. So... Um, and he calls up to Kenny. He's like, hey, Kenny, I need your help with something. Like, I need you to, like, help figure out what's going on with the antenna or whatever. And so Kenny's just being, like, a fucking wasteoid like he normally has been in the movie. And pretty much, like, we see this whole thing where Walter scales the fucking ladder. He gets up on the roof where the antenna is and... In Halloween 5 or whatever style, like, he's trying to... Which is funny, because Daniel Harris is in this movie. But, like, she's, like... He's, like, almost falling off the roof, pretty much. And, like, the roof is, like, coming out or whatever. And then he actually does end up falling off the actual roof, technically. Um, and so he falls off the roof. Fucking, oh, yeah, because... Yeah. Because you see him, like... He, do, he does something, and then he falls. And then you see that he's, like, right outside... Yes, he's right outside Kenny's, Kenny's window. Room, and then Kenny's, like, oh, shit. And then he falls, and he, like, opens up, he's, like, Kenny... Or not Kenny. He's like, Walter. He's like, Walter. Yeah. Now he's concerned. Then he's concerned. And then this ties back to the, them being at GAW because all of this has come out of being like, oh shit, like, you know, everything's falling in on her and like everything like that. Like just pile on. Pile it on. And then Carolyn gets a call at the front desk or whatever. Mm-hmm. She gets a call at the front desk and she's like, uh, Sue Ellen, like, this call's for you. And so she's like, She's like, hello? She's like, yes, this is Mrs. Crandall. And it's like the hospital or whatever. And so fucking, they, she finds out that Walter went to the hospital, I guess. And she's just like, okay, I guess, all right. I guess I gotta go out now. And she's just like, this is where she's making up the thing of like, you know, she's like, oh, like Rose is like, oh, I didn't know you had kids. And she's just like, oh, like I, I do, I mean, it was a divorce. I don't like talking about it, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. So Swell and goes to the, uh, the AER. To go break up her little brother. And then her fucking brother, Walter, uh, her fucking brother, Kenny, is there. And then she's just like, okay, well, what happened exactly? Like, what exactly happened with this? And um, he's just like, oh, you know, I should have been, like, more... I should have been paying more attention. I should have been blah, 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 blah. 
all this kind of stuff. And so, like, the, the doctor's there. He's like, hey, look, it's a clean break. Like, it'll heal just fine. Like, give him some of, you know, get him this, you know, prescription if he has any pain. And, of course, like, she has to hide the fact that she's her sis, he's his sister. So, like, literally, it's like, oh, I'm, like, the stepmother or whatever. Like, Kenny is my stepkid. This is my son or whatever. So, yeah, it's, like, a whole thing. So, I'm just like, aw. But, yeah, they... This is, like, our turning point for Kenny, I guess, where he's trying to now be a better, like, brother or whatever. Like, he says he's going to get him ice cream, and she's like, that's not enough, Kenny, for your irresponsibility. And he's just like, all right, but I get it. Like, I'm trying to be better, right? Anyway, so the kids come home from the hospital with Walter, and this is where Swell finds out that they've been taking her stolen money. So... Because at some point or another... She's like, only I will steal it. Right. Because at some point or another, she is... She gets to the point where she's like, you know, she gets her paycheck and then she's like, oh shit, like, there's not much in this paycheck at all, is there? Um, she's only getting like 700 something dollars out of a $1,000 gross pay, probably. So she's just like, all right, well, Yo, fuck. fucking real talk right real there. Real talk right there, though. I mean, it's... Ugh. Eh, gross. But anyway, so then... Um, yeah, but they're talking about, like, you know, this is horrible because, like, you know, would you steal from mom? Like, you know, like, I am kind of the mother figure at this point. Like, what the hell, man? So, anyway, she's just like, all right, well, you know, we're just going to have to economize. We're just going to have to, like, do what we got to do um, and all this, right? So, like, she's just trying to think in her head, like, what can I do to fix this? What can I do to fix this? But then we have our next scene of Rose freaking out because she says that GAW is going down because they were talking about, like, school uniforms or something, and they were trying to, like, have the school board vote on it, but the school board decided not to vote on it, or, like, the students protested, and so, like, she's just like, we're all going to be out of a job, oh no. Um, and then Swell's just like, oh no, it's maybe because I stole this money, but it has nothing to do with right. it, actually. So anyway, so then, um, yeah, so she's freaking out or whatever. So Swell, like, you know, I, I love this because Rose is all like, you know, don't worry, like, you know, with your qualifications and your background, you'll be easy to get a good, you'll get a better job. You know, and all she's this. If I don't go to jail first. If I don't go to jail first, like, shit. And then she's like, she's also says something, she's like, you know, she's like, can you deliver this news to the other, you know, people? Like, you're so good with the staff, you know? And so she goes down to Franklin, for example, in the, the warehouse, and he, she uses the same line on her, on him, than he, that um, Rose did with her. Yeah. Which is very funny. She's like, I'm going to miss you. He's like, I'm going to miss you, Sue Ellen, you know, all this. And then he... What, like the two weeks she worked there? She, the two or three weeks she's been working there, right. Or however long it's been. But... In this meantime, though, after all this has come to light, that, like, okay, like, she found out her, her uh, siblings have been stealing from her and, like, all this stuff, but she gets a little bit of an idea while she's thinking. So she's looking at these uniforms and she's all like, all right, I got an idea here. So she's like, all right, let's get our butts into gear. So, like, Sue Ellen gives some design ideas to Rose, be like, hey, you know, I think we could really do something with this. Like, we could really reinvent this and like let's do this kind of pattern let's do this kind of look and all this because swell really wants to be a fashion designer really and so she decides to go and plan a fashion show and so what ends up happening is they're planning this fashion show because she's like don't worry we're gonna get gaw back on its feet or whatever we're gonna be fine and so she tells the kids she's like all right look because you've been stealing this money bitch they took three thousand dollars apparently Right. And I was like, that's a lot of money. And then the one, like, the 
lovesick one bought like a the, fucking diamond. She was like, "Oh, did you see what she got her?" I was like, "My God, oh. Jesus Christ!" Can we touch on him for a second? That's really sad. Like he was, I think, like twenty something. He, he was, he was twenty. Yeah. yeah, he was like twenty twenty one. And um, so he died from overdose, like you had said. But I had read in the trivia that um, he, I think it was like I don't know if it was like near the end of production or what it was, but they said that like they like almost had to like to kind of stop because yeah. of how bad his like. Drug addiction, Drug addiction was. was. So I was like trying to do the math. I'm like, all right. And he was only like 15 or 16. It's not surprising though if he already was dealing with a bunch of stuff anyway. I think yeah. maybe he was like in his 30s when he died or something. But he, he died in 2000. So however old he was for yeah. this, 10 years later he was he was pretty much dead. Um, but yeah. And then also like him and Danielle Harris, they like kind of reconnected before he died. Um, and they like dated a little bit maybe here and there, which makes sense because you're so close. Like it's not surprising you would date somebody who you're that close to. Um, I guess they probably had a couple years between them. Exactly. They weren't that far apart in age. She's a lot, um, older than people think that she is sometimes. Um, but anyway, so she looks very young. We'll, we'll talk about it for another episode that we've already done, but you know, anyway. But yeah, so, but she's like, all right, kids, since you took like $3,000 from me, um, what we're going to do is you're going to clean up this house uh, for this thing I'm doing, uh, because she she was told by Rose, she's like, oh, well, you know, um, go get a banquet hall or whatever. She's like, you know what? Banquet halls are so impersonal. My house is fabulous. Like, we can go and do it there. Yeah. And so she's like, literally like, all right, kids, like, you're going to clean this, this place up. before or after Kenny made waffles? This is after Kenny made waffles. Not not the burn waffles. Not the crazy burn waffles. The ones he made that were actually like... I think it was before it, maybe? I don't remember. Something like that. I don't remember. And then we tried them, and then like they were all crazy looking, and they burnt. But then he actually made some really good looking ones. He did make some good looking ones. I think that was after maybe Walter. Maybe after at some point. Because yeah. they, they fight like an old married couple, which is very funny to me. Because they kind of are the oldest. So, yeah. you know. Whatever. But anyway, so yeah, they're having a cleaning up montage and all that. Um, because yeah, they're like, you need to do this shit. So they're deciding to have the, the fashion presentation at the house. Oh, and then you also have like being a good brother and sister montage. So like, you know, I like how they, um, or they, they get the friends to pitch in or whatever to help mm-hmm, them clean. Mm-hmm. And I like how they have like the big empty pool. They do have the big empty pool. I'm like, so how much did that cost to get, get cleaned out? Like I get know. water, like all that, right? Get water. Um, <laughs> clear, you know, all this stuff. Cause it's like one of those in-ground pools. It is. Yeah. And, um. I was like, okay, where's that money coming from that you don't Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but being a good brother is like, you know, Kenny going to the uh, softball, baseball game for Melissa, and like, you know, Swell is like helping uh, Zach with like, oh, like Cynthia dumped me or whatever, and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, so they're being a good brother and sister, you know, to, to their younger siblings and all that. Uh, Swell and Kenny fight. They're fighting just because, you know, like, he doesn't feel appreciated and, like, yeah. she's been working. She's like, well, it's a rat race. What do you want? A medal? You know, this is where she says that. Um, but she is, like, saying, like, you know, I do appreciate you for what you're doing and, like, all this. And, yeah, it's tough here without our mom doing all this, you know, for us. And it's giving a um, different kind of thought of, like, here's what their mom deals with on a daily basis, you know, and so they get to get that perspective that they're not helping her. And how they're not helping her either, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of comes to a head at this point where, you know, they're they're doing that because that's that's what's happening. So we're back to our sleuths of Carolyn and Bruce. They're uh, sneaking into Swell's office. They're trying to find something to get her on. But, like, for example, they think 
Oh, because he, she said something about petty cash and having stole from petty cash. Mm -hmm. So Bruce is all like, oh, that's exactly what it is. Like, you know, shit, like, you know, we'll get her for that. But then we end up finding out that all of the stuff that was in petty cash, it was receipts and everything like that. So I guess that's what she was using it for was that it was for this literal what her job is supposed to be is like using it for events right um uh, and so they couldn't get her on that. Get on that yeah can't get her on that because it's all like legit then they find her driver's license and they find out she's only 17 and she has a fierce picture too mm-hmm. loved it anyway but like uh yeah so they find out she's 17 so they make a little copy of that and they're just like all right we're gonna expose we her. her we got her You've been having a child technically, like, work for you or whatever. So it's like, all right. Anyway, we're at the fashion presentation. We're gearing up to the end of the movie at this point. Mm-hmm. But Kenny is all clean. Um, he's clear, clean cut and cute. This is uh, Keith Coogan's actual hair. Yeah. Takes the wig off. He takes the wig off. And because he, he's in charge of all the food stuff because he has shown that he has this aptitude for food now. Um, all the kids are, like, in the little baseball outfits, which are really cute. Yeah. And they're, like, serving the food up and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, um, so what ends up happening is that Swell and her friends, so Swell's friends come over, and they're going to be the models. Because they're back from Europe now. Because they're back from Europe now. And she has the one black friend that she has, because this movie is very, very white, but she has the one black friend she Mm. has. Katrina. Love Katrina. But anyway, um, so they're like, all right, go up to my room and go get ready, and I'll be up there in a few minutes to, like, help yeah, out. Yeah, and fun, funny, Sue, Sue Ellen's got the friend, Nicole, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, she got a couple friends with Nicole, and of course, Kenny, he, like, has the hots for her. He's like, hey, and she's like, hey. Like, in the beginning of the movie, he's yes. the wastoid. Um, so, you know, he's, like, all into her and stuff like that. But she's just like, no, like, absolutely no time of day for him. And then... When he gets all, when he gets all, yeah, when he's like all, you know, starts being responsible and gets that, you know, because it's got his name, because they have their name tags out for the day. Um, And she's there, and then they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll help, whatever. And then she was like, is that you? And he was like, hey. And then she was like, okay. You're right, exactly. So I was like, okay. I love that. That's really cute, though. But anyway, so the party's starting. um, And so, you know, all right, we're going to do this. So we have um, Sue Ellen is, so. Rose starts it and she's just like, like, hey, like, you know, um, we have this presentation coming up and I wanted to, you know, uh, introduce, you know, the employee of the month and like all this stuff. And it's pretty much she's introducing Sue Swell. Yeah. Um, and so Swell is up at this podium and she's talking about all these outfits. So we have our little fashion show going on. So, like, the fashion show is, like, her friends, like, wearing bellhop uh, uniforms. So, I was watching that yesterday, and I'd watched it before, you know, this, obviously. <laughs> and I thought about it. They're like, oh, this is so-and-so wearing the belt. And I'm like, okay, first off, with the colors and the stripes and all that, I'm like, would these actually be uniforms that, like, nurses would wear? Like, the next one's, like, her friend's a nurse. I'm like, a nurse would absolutely not wear Oh, my that. God. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a minute because yeah. I'm cutting a little bit. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, the party starts. Carolyn actually exposes Swell to Rose. So she's like, look, like you've been, you've had a 17 year old working for you all this time and da 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 da. Uh, but you know what? Rose is on Swell's side. Rose is like, I don't, don't care. care. I don't give a fuck. Don't give a shit. And anyway, so there's that. Child labor laws, but hey, whatever. And so then also Gus comes by and he comes to the house and Swell's just like not into him. But then she like reads him pretty much. And Rose then reads him. Because pretty much, like, Swell's like, yeah, Gus has, like, a crush on me and, like, all this stuff. And Rose is like, is that true? 
Oh, and they did the whole thing with the water gun. So they have, um, Swell oh, yeah. has the whole thing with the water gun where she, um, squirts his pants or whatever. And she pretty much, like, Rose is just like, you know what? Fuck you, Gus. Like, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like, go away. Like, you suck. You um, slimeball. You slimeball. Anyway, this is where we get to the fashion presentations. But, uh, all of these outfits are camped. And if I would, I would wear all of them. I don't give a shit. The bellhop uniforms, the fucking nurse outfit. Referee. The referee outfit, uh, whatever. Uh, Boy the, Scout. The Boy Scout. Uh, the Boy Scout's at the end, but we also have um, the chef outfit with Katrina. Yeah. And then, well, in the meantime, <clears throat> in the meantime, we also find out that uh, Mom has come home from yeah. Mom has uh, resurfaced. She has resurfaced. And also Brian comes back into the story, I guess. Because he's, like, uh, in the clown dog van, and he's, like, driving. And because what he was talking about was he had came, some part in the movie, yet he came and talked to his sister. Yes, he did. At work. I talked about it a little bit earlier. Yeah, yeah. and he was like, this is another guy. Sarah got a cup of coffee while I was talking about that. He was like, oh, this is another guy, you know, da da And he was just like, I don't get it. Like, I just don't get, like, how she was. And, like, that, you know. But really, it's her trying to disguise, like, what she's actually doing. And... And he was like, yeah, she's not right. Well, you know, she's not fair. He's like, okay, I really like her. And then Carolyn's like, not knowing, again, she doesn't know who she is. And she's mm-hmm. like, forget her, you know, screw her. But but she realizes who she is at that point. Yeah, and then, which was funny when, when she, like, saw her and then she was like, yeah, Sue Ellen. I'm like, who, how many Sue Ellens were there? Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought I'm about saying. that. Like, when, that was, I guess, when she's like, Went back in the room, like, how many? It'd be different if you were like, yeah, Jennifer. Um, or, yeah, like Jennifer yeah, or yeah, Ashley or something like that. Jessica. Like, fine, but like, Sue, like, whatever. There's not a time I thought that was times. kind of funny because I was like, except that know? bitch from Arthur. What? Yeah, the little, the little girl from Arthur. I'm sorry to call her a bitch. Sue Ellen, she was on Arthur. Who was she? Like, one of Arthur's friends or something. I don't remember this. Buster. I know Buster. I know Francine. I know Muffy. Yeah, and then. I know GW. Yeah. DW was that bitch. Yeah, Dora Winifred, yeah. And then fucking Sue Ellen. Anyway, whatever. So, she she had... Now, a cartoon version of this was Sue Ellen from Arthur, bitch. Sue Ellen Armstrong, that's what I'm saying. Anyway, uh... Sorry, Sue Ellen's a little bit forgettable there. (laughs) Sorry. What the fuck is she? Is she a deer or something like that? I don't know, what is she? She is a... Sue Ellen is an anthro... Pomorphic. What does that mean? Uh, it means like uh, like an animal that's a human. No, oh, anthropomorphic cat. Oh, she's a cat. Okay, gotcha. All right. Well, anyway. Anyway. So, so like, yeah. But, but what's Brian talking about? So yeah. Then, so then. So he was talking about that, and then so at the end of it, he's like, "I wanna." He's like, "I, I, I want to be with her." He's like, "I, I like her," mm-hmm. and so then he comes to the party. Yeah, and he's like talking through the like little intercom or whatever. He's like, "I don't care if there's another guy," which but, there wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't. Yeah. Well, there's Gus, but that was like. But then there. this is where um, we have Swell um, saying like, "Thank you, Katrina," because she's like trying to rush it or whatever. She thinks. Thanks, Katrina. Thank you. You know, and all this. And she's she's like, like, oh, okay. Anyway, so everything is exposed. We're like, mom's back. Brian's here because she introduces Brian or whatever and like try to talk about his outfit. Yeah. She's, she's like, like, and our list. Yeah. It's so funny. And then Swell just comes clean. She's just like, all right, girl, like, I, I have been lying to all of you. Like, I'm actually 17. I, I just got this job, like, somehow, some way, like, whatever the hell. Like, you know, it, it's just like, I, I can't do this anymore. I gotta go. <laughs> like, you know, uh, I can't do any of this. So she comes clean about all of it. But then we have our little wrap up, because we're getting to the end of the movie. We have a wrap up with Kenny. So his wrap up is that Kenny has 
changed for the better and he is now being a better brother and he also uh, is not wasting his life and he mm-hmm. wants to now go through um like culinary school or something he comes to that point so like him and his friend are talking and like that's his like little arc that he has and that's yeah. his little wrap up which is kind of nice and he says that he has he's gonna go out with nicole yes mm-hmm. so you're like okay look at him yes then we have our little wrap up with rose with swell where you know, Rose is like, are you sure you don't want to, like, continue with me? Like, I don't care. Like, I love you. You're great. Yeah. You know, do good things, sweetie. You know, kind of thing like that. Yeah, but she has her little wrap-up where she's talking about, you know, Swell's like, you know, well, I, I probably should go to college, you know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll come out, you know. Uh, maybe okay, I'll I get, like, why that. she wanted to go. But, like, if also if she was like, hey, like, st- I'd be like, okay. Right, exactly. I like how she says, like, because she put on her thing that she went to Vassar, she's like, well, if you want to go to Vassar, I can pull straight. Right. Vassar's literally on the other side of the country, but okay. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, there's that. And then we have a little wrap-up with Brian, where Brian's all like, you know, do you have any other secrets? This is the not-fun-transphobic joke of, like, are you a man? And she's like, no, I'm not. Like, you know, uh, it was the 90s, everybody. But anyway, um, but they're talking about how, like, you know, like, I don't know exactly what they're talking about, but, like, they're talking about, like, you know, how, all right, like, I think we can, we can try to make this work, pretty much, because that's, like, the little end of the movie. They, like, get together, I think, and they're, like, in love. It's very yeah. cute. It's very nice. Uh, and then, also... And then the, pl- the song plays again. And then the song plays again from the beginning of the movie, which is very fun. Um, and then Mom... Uh, asks the seminal question. This is so important because it's in the title of the fucking movie. <laughs> Where's the babysitter? <laughs> and what we find out is that the babysitter um, has now been buried by the producers of this movie. And we then find out that she did have the money on her mm-hmm. because they used that money to like go gamble or something like that. Or whatever the hell. And then her headstone. Her headstone is the same note that they had, which is nice old lady inside died of natural causes. Yeah. Is on her headstone, and then that's the end of the movie, and that's the end that's of it. you know. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. We've been talking for a good like two hours ten minutes, as to per usual, because uh, we go off on our tangents. But I'm not I'm not opposed to these though. I, you know, goddamn it. But listen, I think just to wrap it all up and everything, this movie. I will tell you this much. I am so sad that I didn't watch it earlier. I think it would have been such a comfort movie for me. I think it's so fun and. Just really fun, silly, kind of has a heart kind of thing. Like, I, I just, I, I highly recommend it. I, I think it has good writing. I think the directing is awesome. The performances are great. The fashions are great. Like, this is a movie where I absolutely put it in the category of, like, Heather's, this, Clueless, Jawbreaker, Romy, mm-hmm. Michelle, all this. Like, the fashions are amazing, and that's a really big part of it that sets it apart. But also, like, the score is really great, and the performances are great. And I think this movie deserves a, a reevaluation, and it deserves this this cult status it has of people who are our age, who grew up watching it, or beforehand. And, you know, I think it has a nice message to it. And, and I, I think it. watching it, you know, obviously it being 90s, definitely it fits in what we were saying. It definitely goes, feels like an 80s feel, but that's 90s mm-hmm. feel. So when you are watching it and you are a kid of not maybe the times of, you know, if you're a oh, teenager watching it, you know, you're going to kind of, not going to laugh, you're going to probably laugh a little bit some of the yeah. things, you know, like the TV and the Just like the dated like that. nature of the it. The dated, right? but like, you know, it's, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I think so too, but I also don't mind that. I think, like, you know, we could definitely talk about, you know, how 
that's a big thing with movies is like they don't want you to feel like your movie's dated, your movie's dated. But with teen movies, I don't think a lot of people who do teen movies care about whether it's dated or not because they're more so focused well, that's what on... That's it was at the time. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole point. They're capitalizing what's cool at the time. And that's why it's an interesting time capsule of that time. So, yeah, I, I think if anything, like, yeah, it could be a little dated, but I think the story itself still carries over and it's still a story that... I think is, you know, it was tackled in a, in a way that I think is has a certain level of grace to it, which I really like. And um, I don't think this movie could be made again. No. It's, it's too much where it's like, they would have found out she was 17. They would have done a background check on her. They would have done all this shit. So this movie lives in 1991, and I love that for it. Right. And it's crazy. It's like over 30 years old. I know. Like, it's what? insane. But like, it's one of these things where I just enjoy it. I'm glad I watched it. I kind of want to own it. I'm sure I can find a Blu-ray of it if, I I, if they already have it. Yeah, right, you own it. Like I, I need to get this up in my collection because this is just a movie I can just like turn on and watch and it'll be fine. So anyway, but yeah, right now it's on HBO because it was produced by HBO, but it was on Hulu before. Um, it makes the rounds here and there, so you can always find it generally. But yeah, but Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show again. You know, I, I always love having you. We always have long ass episodes, but that's always. fine. But uh, you know, uh, did you want anybody, do you want anybody to follow you on social media or anything like that? Sure, you can follow me on Instagram at Rainbow Paradise sixteen. That is a reference to Harry Styles. I try and if we have new episodes, I try and I try and promote them. But yeah. Sometimes I'm not the best at that, but I try. Yeah, so Instagram. Go find her on Instagram. I'll put the link in shit as well. I'll maybe do that for some of your other episodes too. But anyway, all right. Well, I think that's everything. But um, yeah, well, thank you so much. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so at cultcinemacircle at gmail.com. If you'd like to give any movie recommendations, give feedback on the show, or if you'd just like to say hey, I'm open to all of it. You can also follow the show on Instagram at cultcinemacircle and on Twitter at cultcinemacircle. I tend to announce the movies that I'm going to be covering and just interact with people on there if they want. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at jesse, J-E-S-S-E, kremp, K-R-E-M-P, all one word. On that platform, I tend to log the movies that I watch, I write little stupid reviews about them, and just general foolishness over there. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on your podcatcher of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm pretty much on all of them. Be sure to leave five stars and a one to two sentence review about the show uh, so we can grow the audience and then just spread the love all around. Be sure to tune in next week to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast, where I'll be covering 1997's BAPS. Waitresses at a Georgia restaurant, Nisi and Mickey, decide to fly to Los Angeles for a music video audition in order to raise money for their dream project, a business that combines soul food dining with a hair salon. Circumstances eventually find the Southern ladies on the estate of Mr. Blakemore, an elderly millionaire. Despite their vast cultural differences, Nisi and Mickey form close bonds with Blakemore and his butler. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast, and remember, I'm right on top of that, Rose. Take care. Bye.